Today's universities build themselves as a marketplace of ideas, operating under the pretense that students need to be able to think for themselves upon graduation. But what happens when the minds of our youth are infected with new ideas? New ideas. College students need a coddling environment. That's why we created Safe Space University. have to have some experience that uh, will permanently and completely break a uh, materialist technocratic paradigm. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. We are going to be chatting to the two uh, past Grimericans here a little later. We got Connor Habib and Gordon White. You guys all know those guys. Pretty popular guys around here, so you guys should uh, should enjoy that one. Uh, but first, a rare Saturday afternoon recording. The one and only, Graham Annoyed Dunlop. Annoyed? Today? Yeah. No, it's a great day. Saturday afternoon. Oh, I was, anno- <laughs> yeah, I was annoyed at that. <laughs> Is that out of a, like a... a- a yellow ducky, no, you know a rubber it ducky. Was originally, it was disem- disassemble a rubber ducky for that. It was inside this black the, thing that was ca- inside one of those tubes that you turn think upside it's a down. Kazoo, right? Like you turn the tube this way, and it was like, oh, okay. Back over, and you... now you're just melding the whole thing. Now, well, now it's down to this little tiny piece that fits nicely in my mouth. You could probably get that sound like R two D two a little you bit. You could there. probably, yeah. yeah. You could practice with practice it. with it. Maybe I will. So yeah, it's nice on a Saturday afternoon. The spring blue sky. It feels like spring. My arm feels like it's broken, so that means spring's here. Yeah, you know, it's like ten degrees, and it feels like summer. Like it really feels that warm. I could go. I'm in shorts, and all the snow's almost gone. The yeah, it just went fast. It went fast. Yeah. Plus so, 15 yeah. will do that. Yeah. So, yeah, we're coming out of the winter thaw. And the Igloo, one of the worst winters in a while. Actually, you know what? In the last, like, five years, we've had two good winters and three winters that were probably the worst in uh, probably 20 years. Yeah, it's only 10 degrees now. It's not 15. No, it was 15 on, like, Wednesday. Though, oh, oh, I see, yeah. It was 15 and fucking windy. Yeah. Like, all the snow has gone off the lake in one day. Yeah. So it's a good day for me. Today marks a special date for me. Nine nine years. Nine years clean. Nine years clean. It's over. Yeah. You want a you want a bong here? <laughs> <laughs> no, no legs. Maybe ten. No, after ten, no. After ten, you'll nah. eat some mushrooms. No, no, will not. Mushrooms are medicine. No, I know they are for some, but I don't want that. I'll just sneak them into some. Oh, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to any of it, just for for healing purposes, but not for me. Would it be like, yeah, I guess that'd be like a big deal if I, if I railroaded your clean streak unwittingly, or do you get oh, like, or does that not count? Yeah, it counts. Like, <laughs> mushrooms on your Especially pizza. if I disappear for a week. <laughs> <laughs> I feel weird after eating this pizza. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was even just talking to a friend last night, um, and she was saying that she had a friend that did ayahuasca, and he was eight years clean and sober, and then he went to his friend's wedding three weeks later, and he was like, 
He was like, I felt like a friend had lied to me about ayahuasca, saying it would be okay. And the next thing you know, he's drinking it and just right down. And I was like, well, yeah, that's why I don't want to even mess with it. Well, I mean, I, I, like, I don't know if he's blaming ayahuasca or anything, but, you know, it's it's just why fuck around with it if it's working, right? That's right. So, yeah. But, you know, I mean, we've talked about on the show a lot about the benefits of drug use and stuff like that. So I don't know. Our just did his first mushroom trip ever on, uh, Oh, I wonder if I can actually get to that from here. I don't have my phone, which means you're going to do a weather modification segment. What does that have to do with anything? I don't have my phone. I forgot it in the house. What does that have to do with me doing a weather modification segment? I can't ignore you. Oh, exactly. Well, I, I love it. You. I, I love could, it. Now you can only ignore me on your tablet. I ignore you on the tablet. <laughs> So I'm not going to mention any names, but he said, ah, so actually randomly he had, uh, posted a photo of himself and, uh, I liked it for some reason. Normally I wouldn't, but for some reason I liked it. I think it's cause I seen the name and I Where's know that this, he's on a, Facebook or something? Uh, Twitter. Oh, okay. And I know that he's a supporter. Right. <laughs> so I liked it. And, uh, <clears throat> then he messaged me this. I had my first mushroom trip yesterday. I'd only ventured with LSD prior, had an, am- an amazing experience that felt almost prenatal in nature. Enjoy the podcast. Maybe I'll write in a trip report to you too. The photo was fairly soon after I'd come back from tripping. Wow. Cool. Yeah. yeah so I wonder if I, uh... you know, there was someone else that was sitting. I don't think it was him though. Someone else was sitting on some mushrooms and they had emailed me in like November. Like he's physically sitting on him? No, like just holding him. Oh, holding him. <laughs> and uh, I thought you meant maybe he was sitting on him in November, and I remembered reading it, and I thought I had replied to it, and then for some reason I just came across that email again. I was searching for something, and I came across that email, and I replied. I was like, "Did I ever reply to this?" And he was like, "Well, no, you didn't." <laughs> <laughs> but I still have the mushrooms. And you're like, now I know how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> So I, uh, I gave him a nice, uh, thing and I don't think I've heard. Oh, actually, you know what? I think I did hear back. Can you find it now? If you keep talking. Yeah, I'll keep talking. Do I need a yeah. Are you going to do your weather report? No, no, no. Just keep looking and I'll talk about mushrooms again. Cause I, we've had people commenting on your, uh, enter the mushroom episode as well. So we should start pe- selling that. If people do the episode. <laughs> <laughs> People uh, Which are saying, yeah, they understand. Like, it was pretty interesting, some of the stuff you talked about in there. So Darren can can email people a link to the Enter the Mushroom episode, because he took it out of the normal feed. I think he was feeling so just uncomfortable about it. We just got a new subscriber now? Yeah. Well, thank you. And there's a, there's another thing, too, there's a, we did this sort of bonus episode from the cabin a couple of weeks back. There was a bit of a shit show, so... We did want to make it available for people. We don't want to just put it in the regular feed for new listeners that stumble across the show and think that maybe that's uh, that's all there is here. And it was uh, it was ended up being a pretty good audio sound, and it was pretty interesting. And if you want that, you can sign up to the newsletter or email us, and we can send you like a, just a link to the free bonus episode. And of course, we really appreciate your support here. We couldn't do it without you. I'm just uh, going to blab on here while Darren looks for this email. I can't. There's a whole it. bunch of ways to support the show. And we're going to talk a little bit about this new thing, too this Google Hangout chat 
app thingamajiggy that we're we're in now. Do you have the jingle, or do you have the link? I don't know. Though. That's a weird link. What link? I could, I could make a pretty link for it though. So I'll do that actually before this is released. So the link for the chat will be grammarica.ca slash hangout. Slash hangout? Okay. Yeah. And then that'll take you right to, basically it's just like a giant group. <clears throat> um, I think there's about 35 people in there now. Um, it'd be cool to get, you know, a hundred or 200 people in there. And I just kind of, instead of a forum, we might have a forum one day, but I figure that's kind of a place. It can be a safe place for grand Americans to go. Say you're sitting in an airport, you can hop in there. And, and the idea is that if we can get two or 300 people in there, um, <clears throat> you know, they're probably like grandma and I aren't going to be in there all the time. We'll touch in, you know, from time to time and see what the conversation's going. But the idea is that, you know, you guys can all be in there chatting amongst yourselves as well. And, you know, maybe you're sitting in an airport in the middle of the night waiting for an airport and you pop into the Grand America hangout and there's a couple of people from Australia and someone from France that's in there too chatting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just like an app on your, on your phone. So it's, it's Android based and Apple based, right? And it's just a, mm-hmm. like a little. And I think you can do it just off a computer as well. So it's kind of like a WhatsApp type thing I in think, a way, but yeah. it's Google Hangouts and yeah. And then every, I think we'll just also just use that because we can build a community there. And then the next time, if we ever do something, you know, we, we tend to do live stuff for special occasions and stuff like that from time to time. And then we'll just offset that as the generic chat group. Or that'll be another way to reach people live, like Twitter, sort of like. That's right. Except this type So, so it's almost like a little mini Grimerica social media network. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. only yeah, people yeah. that listen to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Or their friends. Or their friends. You can invite, anyone can invite anyone by link. If you go up to the settings in the corner, you can, it'll copy a link you can send to anyone. It's an open invitation. Anyone can invite anyone. I can see some of our guests being in there too, actually. So yeah. We have a lot of guests that, that actually listen to the show and keep in touch with us regularly. Yeah, it could, could turn into something kind of cool for sure. Right on. So yeah, hi to everybody that's in there right now. There's a bunch of you. Yeah. Get and some get some UK posse in there. Yeah, absolutely. I've been hearing it's so weird how every once in a while I get emails in a row of links. UK posse, like all of a sudden. So it's almost like a little Grimerica fucking Facebook, but with no bullshit. Everyone in there is cool. Yeah, and there's no ads everybody. or there's no, no ads, ads or... there's no slanted bullshit. Everybody in there is cool. Yeah. Feel free to share links, share stories, share pictures, post whatever you want in there. No nudity. And no, uh, nothing. No nudity? Don't get crazy. Don't get crazy. Just email. Says the dictators. guy who did the mushroom episode. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't get crazy. <laughs> well, I just want to, don't want to see it turn into some sort of like yeah. political fucking gong show or anything like that. Yeah. Actually, right? actually, you know like what? Every that forum could, everywhere is a political gong show. No, you know show, what? Right? That could be something right there. Actually, there could be some boundaries and some Even like Lisa like, was saying, the, politics like, out the one it. she liked was like the elephant journal. And even that has gone completely political. Now. Yeah. And it's like, this never used to be political. Yeah. But everyone, you know, feels that need. Yeah. Well, they feel like it's their mission. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, you're going to lose half your fucking following. So keep the politics out of there. Yeah. Just like we're keeping the politics out of here. Like we try. We try. It comes up. It does. Because we talk about the deep state and conspiracies. And eventually, out. like, politics is going to, like, overlap with some of shout that stuff. Shout out to Natachi. He's, he's st- sticks with us. We still have heated arguments all the time, but. They're very respectful. That's your Twitter buddy? Your, yeah. Your Twitter conflict buddy? Yeah. Yeah. We have good chats too, but we also, we definitely have some conflicts, but it's always very above board. You know what I mean? There's no, the, I, it's always good when you can argue with someone without it going to name calling. Exactly. It seems to be hard to do these days. Yeah. Especially on social media. Yeah. So if it, if it degrades to that, I just block people right away. Yeah. But uh, no, 
Uh, we can mutually disagree on things without calling each other names or yeah. being over it. You know, I, I, it's, I think it's something to do with respecting someone's opinion enough. You know what I mean? Not knowing someone's not an idiot. Yeah. You know? Well, it's not even about that. Just, just giving people the freedom to have their own opinions. If everybody even could if do a little wrong, more like that, like that's, that seems to be how it was like 10 years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 10 or 15 years ago, that was fine. Everyone had different opinions and it was fine. And now it's like, if you know, fuck off. Yeah. Anyway. So let's, uh, so let's support the show. Yeah. Sign up for the hangouts, gramerica.ca slash hangout. Uh, go to gramerica.ca slash support and uh, sign up for the show. Or sign up for a monthly there if you can. Uh, those are always fantastic. You can do one-time donations. Um, I think, actually, maybe I'll start. Uh, we should start, maybe. Maybe what we'll do in a couple uh, episodes, I'll get a list together, and we can do a shout-out to everyone who's a subscriber now. And then we can do it for new people. Yeah, if people want, to, if people want us to do that, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah do you think we should give you guys shout-outs or something? I don't know. I just feel like, you know, there's like a... You know, seventy-five or eighty or a hundred people that are, that keep the show that going, keep really. the show going completely. Yeah. And, you know, you guys do deserve to be you know honored in some way because if it wasn't for you guys, there honestly probably would not still be a no, show. No, like, there's too many fixed expenses and there's too many little variable expenses. Like, well, we want to do a good job. Obviously, we started think we started it thinking it would be cheap, but but we want to do a good job. But there's cords always going and there's little adapters that you always need. There's all kinds of crap that we need. Plus time you know, and yeah. you know we'd like to look at getting a new website again someday and apps and all these things cost you know seems cheap and then every little thing you want to do is thousands of dollars yeah well even i was just thinking i got forwarded uh coast to coast uh <laughs> ams thing and like i can't even listen to back episodes on that without paying for it right like so I was going to research a couple of guests on there and I'm like, I just, so I just avoid doing it because yeah, I'm buying books, you know, we can buy books with that, all yeah. sorts of stuff. Yeah. So big shout out to those people. Like I say, we'll come up with some way of mentioning you guys or doing a page on the website or something to really honor those people. So maybe if you are on the list and you don't want to be named, you should let us know. We should figure <laughs> out an, 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 an anonymity way. Well, there's enough people, supporters. Yeah, we won't say last names. Just no, say the if, support we'll just say level is low enough that I can, email everybody like an afternoon it wouldn't take more than a couple hours to put together an email to all of them well let's try and avoid that yeah so but let if us we're know gonna if do you... something like that it would be good to know first you know what i mean like, yeah see what their feedback yeah. i think we've asked for feedback before and you guys just don't say anything yeah so we won't we won't we wouldn't name your last name we just say like first name and last initial or something like that right like yeah you know or something J or... let us know what you think okay okay and, uh, and then also send in your, your stories and your trip reports like you have been and your lucid dreams and your synchronicities and yeah. Oh, that stuff's great. Sightings and experiences and thoughts and feedback. That's G-R-A-H-A-M at GrahamAmerica.com. Spam Graham. H. And there's Instagram too. To, you can, I'm on that and Darren's on the Twitter. Uh, the what else? What else? The website. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Follow the links in the show notes. It'll get you to all that. Yeah. There's a whole list of things to do. Take you less than 10 minutes. Of course, there is the cabin app uh, that's also only available to people through the newsletter. I mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, when you were looking for your email. Did okay. you find that at all? No, I couldn't find you it. You couldn't find it? No, I'll have to. Uh, I don't this is, think this, this is like every time I ask Darren for, to look for an email that I sent him that he hasn't read yet. This is what happens. 
I'll find it. <laughs> I'll find it for and next you year. Think, and you think I'm less tech savvy. <laughs> okay. Are you, are you going out in the back country? How'd you know that? I don't know. It says back country users beware. Bears are waking up and they're hungry. Really? Yeah. Oh, I was going to go backcountry skiing. Going to go missing 411. Well, it kind of does scare me now. Like, I never had that fear before. I mean, I had fears of animals walking around the tent in the night, but now I'm like, what the fuck else is out there? I'm going to get snatched up and fed to reptilians. Darren wants to have Pleiades on about the 411. Yeah. Maybe we could get Justin to help us out on that one. Yes, that's Because he's, he's into that. Yeah, Justin, you're in. So, yeah, I was thinking about uh, ski touring. Really? I'm sort of slightly obsessed with that right now. Is that like just going, going out on a week-long ski trip? No, no, no. You could do day trips too, but just walking along the, like ski, ski hiking up the glaciers and then skiing down and stuff like that. And hmm. you a and, lot of work. It was a lot of work. You and Joe? Just me and whoever. <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> I think you're okay unless you're by yourself. Yeah, that's the thing. I was thinking about going by myself, but you need the avalanche training and you got to carry a shovel with you and that's pretty serious shit, so. And you don't want to get snatched up. In fuck, a couple people just went, just, they just found their bodies up there. Where? Oh, by, uh, Banff or somewhere up in there. But in the snow? Yeah. Really? I think they had been out snowshoeing. Really? They got caught up in an avalanche. No. Yeah. Really? They're from Boston. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's that time of year. That shit starts getting wet, man. Look out. Yeah. But just bring your little shovel. You'll be okay. Text me. <laughs> I'll come find you. <laughs> so, so what do you got? Uh, you want to well, get into your segment? Yeah, sure. If you want to do that. Actually, let's do this first. Oh, you so yeah, he has succeeded to catch me totally off guard for once. Fuck, I'm not even ready at all. Nice. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Just gonna pick one. You see, so many of these are just uh Okay, there's one. Alright, so this is the UFO quote of the week. There are in excess of 200 reports of the type that we had down in Louisiana from people claiming that they have had direct contact with a spacecraft full of aliens. I mean, 200 reports from witnesses who are reliable or more so than those people. I don't really understand what that means. I mean, 200 reports from witnesses who are as reliable or more so than these people. I'm not counting the reports from the obvious crackpots that have an axe to grind. If you accept them at face value, then you're forced to accept that we have been visited. That was from Dr. John Safko, an astronomer at the University of Southern California in 1973. Nice. Yeah. Nice save. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, you need the clipboard? Graham is an all-in <laughs> believer in chemtrails. Do you want the clipboard? Uh, sure. Yeah, just when you're, when you're done with that. Done with what? This the jingle? Ringtone jingle? Yeah. And every once in a while I get uh, emails about um, geoengineering and chemtrails and stuff like that. 
So I put a little couple clips together here, and this is a, this is truly a new Manhattan Project video, and this is from researcher Peter Kirby, who put together a 10-minute video, and I've just got a little two-minute clip of it here. But it's from his most recent uh, paper, Chemtrails Exposed, Truly a New Manhattan Project. And the article in the video covered the New Manhattan Project involvement with the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, the Radiation Laboratory there, the MITRE Corporation, Vannevar Bush, Alfred Loomis, Edward Teller, and John Villan Neumann, and more. So he's talking about the, the like how far back this goes, right? Like the Teller, engineering. Teller and Vannevar Bush talking about this in the forties, right? About geoengineering. Well, yeah, and and atmospheric, um, the ionospheric heating and stuff like that, and then it gets into harp a little bit. But I just have a little two-minute clip here to play. It's a little bit uh, slow, so just be patient. Slow? The uh. ionospheric heaters of today's new Manhattan project can generate these signals. Loomis Plug was also key to the development of the aforementioned Loran system, which, as we have seen, was the predecessor of today's ionospheric heaters. Outside of the Rad Lab, is this guy a robot? information about other famous scientists and their ties to the new Manhattan Project and their ties has to the come new to Manhattan the floor. Project. Much evidence suggests that Manhattan Project theoretical physicist Edward Teller was the single most important scientist in the entire development of the new Manhattan Project. He advocated for weather control countless times. He was an early advocate of something called planetary engineering. Ah. Planetary engineering is the antecedent of today's so-called geoengineering. A branch of today's geoengineering, called solar radiation management, suggests that airplanes spray chemicals into our atmosphere. In 1962, he wrote as much stating, quote, we might spread a cloud of dust over a strategic location, unquote, for the purpose of weather control. To top it all dust off, sound he so co-authored a series of papers in the mid-1990s suggesting that the Earth and all its biota be sprayed with, guess what, stratospheric aluminum. These papers were published by Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories, which Teller had co-funded and directed. Evidence suggests that Lawrence Livermore Labs is the home of the new Manhattan Project's main control center. John von Neumann was a Manhattan Project <coughs> scientist who largely invented the field of modern mathematical computer modeling. He developed this field in the context of computer-simulated atomic bomb detonations. He later applied his computer models to weather modification and the atmospheric sciences. His work in this area later resulted in computer-generated weather forecasts. Most curiously, von Neumann appears to be the originator of not only the modern theory of man-made global warming, but also the basis of the solar radiation management geoengineering thesis. That's interesting. Hey, apparently the one that uh, started the whole global warming thing, but also geoengineering at the same time. It's like, here, we're going to, you know, say there's global warming and then 
have a fix for it all ready to go. Perfect. See, the longer we go on here, the more and more we realize that these people were doing geoengineering and thinking of it way back decades ago. So as if it's not being done now. <clears throat> and then I have a, and you know, and it's true. It, there's like 50 programs in the States doing it above board. There's companies, there's companies turnkey solutions of changing your weather, modifying your weather. wonder how much it costs. Not as much as you think. I wonder if we could get like eternal summer over the igloo for a couple thousand bucks a year. Just donate to the show. <laughs> so, so then I, I came across this other one about, uh, it's about the Tennessee skies and it's got some videos in here of um, them spraying in, in Tennessee. Now, I mean, I know the thing, the problem with these things are some of them are contrails obviously, but some of them I do believe are chemicals being sprayed as well. It's both. I mean, it could be in the gas. It could be in external nozzles. I don't know, but they talk about uh, David Keith is in this one, and he's a scientist. Actually, lives near us in Canmore. Do you remember he was the one that was bitching about that uh, that billboard about chemtrails? Oh yeah. Was so he? he's he's for geoengineering, yet he's against the conspiracy of chemtrails. Like, what the fuck? We should have him on the show. So we should actually. He's gonna he wouldn't come on. No. Okay, ready? So I'm just gonna play a little bit of this. Let one me too. talk to him. <laughs> and this is like this is a it's your sky tennessee and it brings up this last little point here one of the main reasons they use <sighs> aluminum it's up with your cord because it's highly reflective it's jack mac is notorious rays. for shitty jacks but there's another reason it's there's another reason david keith he's talking about the aluminum in right? his very own words right here Aerosol geoengineering looks like it is so cheap that the cost is basically not going to be an issue. That means that implementation decisions will be risk-to-risk decisions. The risk of doing it against the risk of not doing it. And it makes the problem of how we govern it fundamentally harder and different. So I've told you this, cheap to deliver materials and stratosphere. I'm convinced that's true. I don't think that will change. But I think the more we do research, the less easy this will look, the more complicated the environmental effects will look. And that's a good thing, because right now it looks too easy. So I think that if we do more research, we're likely to find out that it's harder and more complicated than we thought and that the side effects are harder to manage. And that's a healthy outcome that will make it easier to do the magic. Of course, the opposite reaction is possible. It's an empirical question how people will actually react to knowledge about this. Another reaction is to say, if these crazy scientists are so concerned about putting CO2 in the atmosphere, they want to think about these things. And that might actually mean we should be more serious about the risk of CO2 in the atmosphere. And by the way, it's not really a moral hazard. It's more like free riding on our grandkids. He says, it's, he says it's not a moral hazard. It's like free riding on our grandkids. He's saying that it's way easier than you think to fucking spray chemicals in the atmosphere. It's too easy right now. So the more they go on and do scientific research about it, the harder it's going to become to sell this. So he's basically, I think, if I read between the lines a bit, he's advocating for it sooner than later. Or if he would look into it, it's probably already being done. But you know what? Why? Why mess around with it? Why take that chance? Why spray shit into the atmosphere and take that chance? You know, um, you know, ten thousand years ago, eleven thousand years ago, we we're under a mile or two of ice around here. So yeah, it's warmed up a lot, and it's cooled sure. down since then, and it's warmed up again. So why easy, try and control easy, that? Easy, easy. Well, it warming. bugs me. Because you have I all know. these people that are completely on the other side that like, I'm not saying it's, it's not warming. I'm just saying, 
we're, you know, maybe we are affecting it in this other way as well, not just from our carbon emissions. And I'm paying a carbon tax here. Actually, I wanted to get into that. And so are you. How much are you paying every, every year in carbon tax now for this hoax? I'm not paying a lot of tax. It's ridiculous. Tax is my biggest expense by double. Like the, it's just getting, it's getting, you know, unmanageable. I pay double a year in tax what I pay for rent. What? I oh, pay, really? Yeah. So do you probably. Maybe wow. your T4. Yeah, that's crazy, eh? Yeah. That's brutal. But now we're paying for this extra so carbon if you tax. So my food and my shelter and added it together, it would equal my tax. Yeah. Almost. And then where's it going? How much of that went to the fucking Clinton Foundation? Or how much of that goes to these other countries that you don't even know if it's getting to the right people? It's going That's through it. a fucking NGO or a foundation. And wh- where's that going? Into somebody's pocket? Well, it's going to get harder to push back because it looks like YouTube is going to uh, up the uh, censorship because it's lost more advertisers due to offensive videos. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of offensive shit on YouTube, but you got to wonder what's going to start to count as offensive. Exactly. That's the problem. Someone's offended by everything. So we're, this, we're probably, ours, we're this conversation getting, is going to be gonna taken off because it's off. offensive. It's just a matter of time until we get kicked off YouTube. That's why I've been actually encouraging people to download the back catalog. I still haven't done it, but I want to have a couple hard copies of it just in case so let's, someone let's, ever decides that, you know. So let's get into that now. Then. I don't even have about a whole copy. The down, of it. What are you talking about the downloading? Well, I don't even have, I don't have a hard copy of an episode. So if Ooh. anything ever happened to Libsyn, everything's gone. That's our that's our host, our provider yeah. of the platform, yeah. and they put it out everywhere for us. Yeah, I'm so, actually going to download it all because I talked to Rob at Libsyn, and he told me if you go into iTunes and like subscribe or unsubscribe and then resubscribe, oh. it'll give you the option to download all. So you just have to click once, and it'll download every episode instead of having to go through them all at once. So I think I'm actually going to do it on this computer today. And you should do it at home. It'd just be good to have in a couple places, the back catalog. So are you suggesting people do it through iTunes then? Like yeah, I'll select all download and download it, yeah. it all. And then, and then what? Then copy that to I'd like to have a couple, hard drive couple, somewhere? Couple, and you know, the thing is, it's a lot of data. Like, you'd almost have to buy a stick or something. Yeah. Because I think like 200 episodes at, you know, plus minus 100 mags a piece, that's what, 20 gigs? Can we just buy a stick and bury it in a Faraday cage somewhere and then people can open it up like 300,000 years from now and listen yeah, to Great America? Yeah, there you go. We should actually even print a couple episodes on vinyl and put them in a, we'll put a USB stick and some vinyl and we'll get a little, uh, we'll weld up a little steel uh, cage, a little steel fucking time capsule. Yeah, let's do it. Let's bury it. Yeah. With some favorite books and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, support the show for more of our harebrained schemes. <laughs> uh, where was I going now? You railroaded me. Uh, about iTunes, about the download. Oh, yeah. So yeah, if you got the space, if you got 20 gigs, uh, or if you, even if you do, email me and let me know. I just feel a little better if, there, if it was on a couple of uh, different places. You know what I mean? If it's only on Libsyn in here, then it really wouldn't take much to be. To be gone, gone, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not that I think that day is coming soon, but who knows? Yeah, who knows nowadays? Well, it just takes an EMP. Yeah, and everything's gone. Well, yeah, and everything's gone. Yeah, yeah. Carrington event, boom. Bung. Actually, well, would, would it affect us here? In the, I think the igloo would probably be okay. We're here. pretty <laughs> well protected in this old walk-in freezer. I think if we like studio, if we wrapped it, we should figure out what we have to wrap it. Yes, in let's do, do that. 
just tinfoil or whatever. But then does that make the effect of our electronics in here even worse? Yeah. Just bouncing off the insides of the walls and yeah. Eight eight with fucking 50 things plugged in Wi-Fi. Well, maybe we, maybe we can have a cover and then we take off the cover when we come in and then when we leave, we put the cover back on and protects it. Faraday cover. Yeah. Yeah, that'd, like be, a, that'd be worth looking into. A convertible Faraday cover. Keep a cell phone in here and a ham radio. Pretty yeah. small to live in here, though. I was just thinking. We don't need to live in the Faraday cage. It just I'm talking to... about when a disaster strikes, you know? You still don't need to live in here. You just need your electronics to be in here. Yeah. If the fair, if the event is bad enough to burn you outside the igloo, it's going <laughs> to burn you inside the igloo, too. It just might not catch you on fire. You're just going to melt. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna be air cooked like a tea fall. A tea fall? You know those tea falls? They cook that shit with hot air, basically. Do they? Yeah, that's what happened in here. It would be like an oven. This thing would turn into an the oven. tea fell frying pan. No, the uh, the fucking thing that it's like a deep fryer, but you just put in a little bit of oil. I don't know. It's a tea fall. I don't know what it is. Tea Fell's a brand, right? Are you talking yeah, about the brand? It's, yeah, it's a, the brand, yeah. Okay. I think it's called the Act of Fry or something. Like that. Okay. Hmm. Anyways, do you want to get into some listener stuff, or should we just uh, save that for another uh, show? How much time we'll go, we got? Well, we got as much time as we want, I suppose. We are going to be, we're over two hours, but we're not at three yet. Well, let's let's just have a couple listener emails then to share. Have the jingle back then? The jingle cord back? Oh, yeah, right. Hang on a sec. Here you go. Yeah, the jack is fucked in my Mac Air. Hmm. I think you can get it. I think uh, Mac will do, though. It's like, well, it's clearly infected with CIA malware, too. <laughs> That's a shitty thing. It all is. Yeah? Right from the assembly line, it looks like. They're wow. infecting him fucking at factory default. Wow. That's how bad it is? That's Have you seen that shoot. meme going around with Mark Zuckerberg and they show his fucking little laptop? No, and that, that his was a got, long time ago. He's just got yeah. tape over the video. And the mic. Unbelievable. He's got a fake mic in there, like a dongle that's cut off. So that the computer thinks there's a mic there, but it actually can't capture everything. Yeah. Nice. And that's the fucking new president of the world in 2024 or whatever. Zuck? Huh? Zuckerberg? Yeah. You think so? No, the, the, there's memes that he's going to run. He's a little young to be president of the world. Where's my jingles now? So what do you got for me? Uh, spam slash synchro kind of stuff. This still seems to be the all-time I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. I hope I haven't read this. I kind of feel like I have it. This is from Cowboy Matt. He says, hello, Darren and Graham. I've been listening for a while and enjoying the show immensely. You guys are a lot of fun to listen to when I'm driving for work. I have a quick little funny synchro to share with you guys. I've been sitting on it for a few weeks and originally envisioned composing a witty email full of good-natured ribbing, but I figure I'll just keep it brief and throw it out there for you. I stopped in at a gas station convenience store to buy a gallon of milk after work one day and noticed the cashier behind the register had a name tag that said Big Dan on it. <laughs> it reminded me of the Coen Brothers film, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou?, where John Goodman plays a character named Big Dan Teague. I mentioned this to the guy, 
And he said, although he did enjoy that movie, the moniker had been adopted to differentiate himself from the other three guys who worked there, also named Dan. <laughs> I told him I have a similar issue. Three guys at my company are also named Matt. He chuckled for a second and said that Matt was his brother's name. Guess what my brother's name is? Matt. Dan. My brother Dan had worked at the same gas station about 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, Weird this stuff. is from Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Weird stuff, though not particularly meaningful, the coincidences involved were a bit staggering. The topic only came up due to a reference to a movie with the word brother in the title. We each take on modifiers to differentiate ourselves with others we work with who have the same names. And we each have the same names as the, as the other's brothers. Anyway, do this with as you will. Keep up the good work. Graham, don't stop believing. All in and chemtrails. And Darren, keep up the stony baloney skepticism. So much for leaving out good-natured ribbon. Nice. Thanks, Matt. So there's a bunch of Darrens at work. Yeah. Yeah. There used to be three nose. One died. Yeah. That's too bad. Man. Yeah. Oh, I know. So, uh, yeah, you going to rate that guy or? Yeah, I'll give him a six. Six. Hmm. <laughs> 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 No good? That's yeah, that's fine. That's fine. No, it's funny. Just, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's funny. Okay. It's a good okay. one, but I can't, you know. Yeah, it's okay. You can't read them all. There's not much profoundness yeah. there. Yeah. So this is another spam. <clears throat> this is from... Uh, I think I know Cowboy Man. I think, I think he's active someplace. Yeah, it's hard to remember all the names and nicknames that people have and stuff. He's probably in touch with us somehow. He's probably in the, the Google chat or something. Might be a Facebooker. This is from uh, Sean... It says, uh, this is the podcast, I, just the podcast I was looking for. I started watching your show a couple of weeks ago. I was at a convenience store on the way to Mount Hood. Oh, that's weird. Our show was playing in a convenience store? No, but it's an, another convenience store email I didn't realize. Just keep going. On the way up to Mount Hood in Boring, Oregon. Yes, that's the city's real Mount name. Mount Hood. Hey, I've been to Mount Hood. That's a... Yeah, I've been to Mount Hood. I climbed that motherfucker. There's, Did you? A, there's a waterfall there, yeah. Really? Yeah. I climbed up to the top of the waterfall. So it gets very boring here, and your show gets me through the day with my sanity intact. I found you guys after I had a good acid-slash-yoga experience. During the weekend and the next day at work, I thought I should listen to something mentally stimulating instead of just staring out the window. I found your show, and it was exactly what I was looking for. I've listened to at least one episode every day since. You guys immediately remind me of a show on YouTube called Spirit Science. It covers some of the same ideas as you guys, but it's all done as a cartoon. They focus a lot on sacred geometry too, something I don't believe you guys have covered yet. I think if you get a hold of him, you could have a really good episode. Or maybe a couple together. Looking forward to what you guys would come out, come out with next. Great work. Keep it up. Maybe you can make you a cartoon for the show too. Or a video. Yeah. A little gram cartoon with big old calves. I'm planning, <laughs> planning to send some trip reports when I get anything that's explainable but still worthy of sharing. Hope you guys like my suggestion. Actually, and UK Posse offered a calf rub to get into the Google Hangout. Oh, right. Really? <laughs> sure. I, th I think Kevin missed that it was an open invite and asked how he got into the group. He's like, Who, whose calves do I have to rub? <laughs> Kevin Stevens? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So this is entertaining some ideas and 
this is entertaining and some of the ideas that I've heard mentioned on your show. So he sent a couple links over and uh, yeah, thanks for the email. Absolutely. That's an awesome way to find us. Like after an acid, I, have, I feel experience. the same way after acid. I know you have this productivity feeling. I feel like, yeah, super productive. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, yeah, that's how organized people feel normally. <laughs> you fucking fuck. Yeah. Shout out to Kevin too, who's probably at work right now. I think we're usually lined up in his podcast player for Monday morning. Oh, right on. He's probably right now worried that it won't be there. Yeah, I think I've heard of this uh, spirit science as well. I've watched a bunch of them. It's good. Have you? Yeah. I'd have them on. But I thought there was another website that people were recommending, like spirit science or science spirit or something like that. And I was trying to get the guy on and he was going to come on and then something fell through. Yeah, but again. yeah, we'll, we'll try uh, that. And, and, and honestly, we love the recommendations and we try and follow uh, as many as we can, but it's, it gets overwhelming sometimes. So people, if, if, if you haven't um, heard from me, just feel free to email me back and, and ask what's going on or, or if you don't uh, ever get the guest uh, that you recommend, just feel free just to remind us. Again. It's, it's hard to you keep don't track. get anything. If you need a shirt, if we owe you anything, just fucking bug us. Yeah. I owe you a blog if we owe you a shirt because it's just two of us. We got a couple people that help out, like Justin and guys like that, but it's all. Uh, but all the normal logistics all, like, and all the all, organizing. Nobody is else is from... actually here, you know what I mean? Other than James from time to time. But all the other, like, internal stuff is all we're trying to deal with it all. Yeah. And, and the amount of emails and stuff does start to get a bit overwhelming. Yeah. So, and we don't want to be those people that you email and we just ignore you. So if you've got something or you want to get something through and we, you don't get a response, then just uh, keep hitting it. Eventually yeah. you'll get a response. Yeah, exactly. Just ask, ask Craig Flowers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of, that's a good uh, little, uh, what do you call that again? It's a segue when you segue, don't mention it. Segue, right. Yeah. When you mention it, the segue is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, some comments from Instagram. <laughs> Regarding our episode with Craig Flowers, and it's from Fires in the Sky. Wait. Darren's got a little jingle for this. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Oh, that's, that's really <laughs> instant classic. That one is, is growing on me. When I, first, when I first heard that jingle, I was slightly skeptical, but now it's, it's growing on me. So he's the one that commented originally on Craig Flowers' episode on Instagram. Then he says here he, he was he was commenting again. So he says, "Sorry to keep spamming you guys, but I finally got to finish the second half of this episode, and it was so good I immediately listened to it again from the beginning. I tied up so many loose ends for me. It was crazy: sigils, geometry, merkabas, tetragrammaton, chanting, mantras, subconscious programs, karma, Super Bowl rituals, emotions." As the biological manifestation of etheric plus minus charge and more, magic really is just science we don't understand. The part about organ energy was interesting. When Darren asked if nesting geometries concentrated the etheric energy, it made me think of the organ collector's Reich built. And yes, you should definitely do the chat room thing. Is that is that what he's talking about? What you what you just did? Because I don't remember talking about a chat room. Yeah, recently. yeah. We were, I, was, I, I I talked about doing hangouts on the show. But I can't, <laughs> can't even be bothered to step up to the mic. 
Uh, <laughs> he was just sitting back in his chair. <laughs> well, it didn't, you know, you were supposed to be doing shit. Um, I had talked about it a couple times, and then you know what it was? It was actually Ali. Ali. Ali B. Ali? Ali B. From uh, UK Posse. Ali Buchan. Or Bouchon. Isn't it Bouchon? Buchan. I think it's Bouchon. No, it's Buchan. <laughs> <laughs> he emailed me, and he was like, hey, how do I get into the group? And I hadn't even made the group yet. So I was like, okay, I made the group that minute. Oh, and I okay. him into it. Oh, okay. So I think he was actually the first person ever in the group. And then I actually, you might be in the group. Me? Because, no. Oh, this I, guy. I kind of went. Fires in the sky. No, I don't know about him. But Who are you like talking to? Regular YouTube oh. people. Because I kind of, I threw names of people that are like off the top of my head. Yeah. I can search them. And then if the, the profile picture came up with something that correlated to the one I see when they interact with me on Twitter or something or YouTube, then I just added them. Okay. I wanted to get some people in there off the bat. So I don't think we ever so, like, talked about I, how to get in there for people. Like, how do you get into this Google chat thing? I don't know. What? <laughs> the only other we just I've talked ever... about it earlier tonight, today. About <laughs> oh, I'm going to make the link. America.ca slash. Oh, right, right, right. And there's a link pinned to the Twitter page. And I'll, I'll, I'll email you the actual link to put in the show notes. But I'm going to make a pretty link. That's America.ca slash hangout. You're going to do that today, right? Today, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. And it's basically just, yeah, like I said, a little chat room. Okay. Were you going to say something else about? No, I was going to go back to leaning back. Okay, continuing on. All my synchros have been pointing toward the fact that it's time for like minds working individually to come together. And since my synchros all seem to specifically involve subject matter from your shows, I'm following a hunch that you're involved. After hearing the outro, I'm 99.99999% sure of it. I see it all as a healing process. Better explained in an email slash novel I've been trying to condense. Like we've hit a critical mass and are now ready to reach out and reconnect with each other. Like neurons in one big brain. You guys are the best at what you do because you really level the playing field. Big thanks to you both and Dan. Oh, sorry. That, was on, that wasn't about Craig's episode. That was about Dan's episode. Oh. Which, was, which came out after Craig's. That's right. Craig's is a doozy too. If you haven't yeah. listened, listen. Yeah. That was Dan Davidson. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think that's it. Oh, oh. You got anything on. else? Hang on, yeah. And he says, uh, afterwards, he says, and the first random hit on the podcast list today, Earth, Alchemy, Ether Physics, Shaman, Shaman, Shaman Engineer. Yeah, Shaman Engineer on, on Carl Woods you podcast. Use your Shaman Engineer. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. So buddies listen to a show a day. That's crazy. Yeah, totally. Must get sick of us after like, I would think. I get sick of Graham after a couple hours. But it refreshes every day. What does? Your sickness? My tolerance of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, fuck, I lost where I was going with that. Yeah, I think that's Oh yeah, day is. Fuck, that's almost a year I'll take the ketchup now. You're what? It would almost take it would take a good fucking eight months to catch up on the back catalog now. At an epic day. Oh yeah, right. Wow. Wow, really? Two hundred and sixteen after today. Wow. This'll be two sixteen. I'm yep. not even sure the count is right. <laughs> yeah. Because I think I left a bunch out. When I was counting I didn't count certain episodes. Yeah, maybe. Um yeah, that's gonna be two thirds of a year anyway. All right, guys. 
I think that's about it. Enjoy the chat with Connor and Gordon, long-time, uh, our long-time favorites. Uh, yeah. It's a doozy, and uh, yeah. I'll put links to our original episodes with both those guys in the, in the show notes as well. Oh, that's swell. All right, guys, enjoy. So tonight we've got a bit of a roundtable happening with a couple of our favorite past guests uh, in Grimerica, Connor Habib and, and Gordon White. I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking about the occult and magic and a little bit of some other stuff, I'm sure. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for thanks for joining. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me back. Welcome back. Second appearance for Gordon and third for Connor. Yeah, and in case Wait, you don't I know, uh, I which wasn't is told which... That. I'm the one, uh, Gordon's the one with the accent. Yeah, I'm, I'm the one that sounds foreign. AKA very intelligent. Oh, sounds that way. So you're in Australia now, and Gordon? So I am, and, and, and also in case you don't know, and you just think we're quite weird connor and i have spoken once or twice before so this isn't usually how we relate to strangers um this is this is how we talk but yes same in australia um i've been back about nine months uh yeah yeah if if it were if you if we were strangers we'd be treating each other with total disdain (laughs) (laughs) i thought this was i thought this was the first time you guys had chatted actually <laughs> well, why have you not been listening to Rune Soup to know that that is not true? Oh, that's a good point. So, I had only made it through like two of the latest episodes, so you must be back a little ways. <laughs> <laughs> Try to bury him in the back catalog, you know, yeah. make people won't find it. You have to ask. You have, you have to especially ask for Connor's episode. It's a private line. <laughs> this yeah, video is it opt in. Is it video as well? <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. So, so well, you, Gordon, you do have uh, Rune Soup out. I think we, I think you had just started it not too long ago, or was it even longer than that? But when we had you on last, so now is it in podcast format and on YouTube as well? Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's actually been going for a while. I think I came on to talk about Starships, which was my um, first book when that one came out, right, whatever it was yeah. beginning of last year. Yeah. Uh, but the um, the blog has been going since about 2009, probably exactly 2009. Uh-huh. Uh, and now it's a, it's a podcast and also a premium membership service and, and that kind of thing. And it just, um, yeah, it, 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 it swells to take up my whole life. Funny how that happens. 
Mm. <laughs> and, Connor, and Connor, what about you? You've got a lot of stuff going on lately too, right? I always, I always have stuff going on. Um, it, it's kind of like the weird thing about being like a public speaker type person who doesn't have books. Like you always get invited on shows when you have a book come out and I've been like taking my time with my book for a really long time. And so, um, but I, I'd been teaching more and more like online courses about the occult. Um, so I've shifted a lot of my sort of energy to, uh, it's not that I've shifted away from sex, but, and, and talking about sex and pornography, but I've been talking a lot, a lot more about the occult publicly lately and been getting asked to do talks on that more. And so, um, that's where a lot of, a lot of it is gone. And, you know, it's how Gordon and I interacted, you know, the first times through a series of sort of synchronicities. And then we, you know, and, and so that's, that's where my main interests lie right now. Nice. Do you guys remember those synchronicities? Can you tell us how that happened? Gordon might not know them actually. Um, <laughs> I, I, to, I told him, but it, but it's been a while. So I was, I was driving to, San Francisco, um, from LA. Um, and I was driving and I talked to this guy who's a sort of ceremonial magician kind of guy. And he was like, Hey, I'm reading this book called chaos protocols and it's so awesome. And it's like helping me understand the economy and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it's by this guy, Gordon White. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. All right, man. You know, like put that on like the list of eight bajillion books I need to read, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so then I'm like, I get off the phone with him. I turn on Skeptico and uh and gordon's the guest nice. <laughs> and i was like well that's funny so i was like all right when i when i get to san francisco i'm gonna check it out so i check it out and then gordon followed me was following me on twitter and i was like what the hell so then i uh just reached out to him we started talking and that and the, the rest is the rest is a really beautiful history oh, <laughs> That's a nice story. Him for pornographic reasons, I don't really respect his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> my pornography is my opinion. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> well, I think it's a really interesting time to talk about this topic, too, because it seems to be out in the open now, the occult and, and um you know, a lot of this stuff, whether you, you talk about Pepe or CAC or the, the, you know, there's people that are recognizing this at the highest levels and, and our government that this is going on and it feels like there's some sort of metaphysical battle going on. So it's really, I think it's really interesting times right now. It's certainly uh, caught the current. And if you consider what the word occult originally means as in the sense that it's hidden, one of the things I think, especially this week, um, that defines the kind of modern political and cultural landscape is the surfacing of what was previously hidden. Uh, and so there's, a, there's an almost kind of macro occult emergence theme that is um, th that contains within it the kind of return or, or rediscovery of, you know, full-blown magic and uh, and psi effects and and so on within within a wider culture, particularly as we as our trust in uh, mouthpieces erodes, so that you have you know there's I don't know if it works anymore to get Bill Nye to show up on television and tell you it's all nonsense. Like it just no one believes, no one's watching the shows, and even if they are, no one's believing that. <laughs> this hashtag fake nigh. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, <laughs> I, I think, you know, as Gordon points out, that original meaning of a cult is hidden in, in, you know, and we, 
well, people are seeking right now um, because everything that is not everything is sort of breaking down or collapsing or being seen is not viable anymore people are seeking and when you look you find shit and also you find who hid it and also you realize that it was hidden to be found that's why you hide something you know um either uh, you, you you want the tension of knowing that something's there to be um discovered and it is being discovered and i think that you know what you're what you guys are pointing out is the um the sort of tension you feel when new spiritualities are being created in the world. Um, cause that's what I think really is going on. It's, um, we call it spiritual Renaissance and a lot of things that look like spiritual or that, that don't look like spiritualities that are being created. But I think that that's happening right now. And that's, where a lot of, uh, and which also means that new gods are not only being, you know, sort of recreated, um, but uh, different ones are being evoked and sort of mishmash slapped together with other ones and all this sort of stuff. So it, it is really a bizarre moment for that kind of stuff, but also great. <laughs> yeah, it beats not having it. Um, th- this kind of thing, <laughs> you know, if you look back through history at kind of uh, end of empire moments, there were never more wizards and soothsayers in Rome than in the years leading up to its collapse. And there is something about, as Connor said, like you, you get an emergence of new spiritualities. But even like if you consider that a subset of worldviews, we have the, the complete failure of, of um, left and right to uh, model or navigate challenges of the 21st century to the point that they're just a complete mess and this is kind of what happens this is almost the the return of magic is almost in in permaculture we call weeds a recovery species because they um heal damaged soil uh and it's almost like the return of magic is is a recovery species to allow people to reorient around things that we would consider more important on an individual and on a collective basis Wow. So uh, we're not like, I'm not too familiar with the occult. I'm interested in it. I'm interested in spirituality and all that kind of stuff, but I'm more, you know, and, and as far as the other t- types of views we try and stay in the center, which is, is more and more difficult, it seems, but, but so, so for somebody that's not too familiar with it, why, why are these things meant to be found? If they're hidden and meant to be found, what's the the reason behind that? Well, <clears throat> the thing that they're the thing that they're hidden by is well, there are a lot of things they're hidden by, but one of the things they're hidden by is just simply our decision to experience sensory input um, in a certain way. Why do we um, go through our day experiencing things the way that we do? Why, for instance, here's a really simple one: Why, when I shake somebody's hand, am I not thinking about their kidneys and bladder and liver and all that. I've decided for whatever reason to shuffle that aspect of their being away and to focus on something else when I'm meeting them. So even though there's this whole totality of a being in front of you, just as there is with everything, when you're just sitting in your chair, when you're reading a book, when you're seeing a movie, whatever, we select certain aspects of our experience to focus on. And so that is directly linked to certain people in power, certain currents in power, certain spirits, certain dead beings. Um, all that sort of stuff that determine what kind of focus we have as well as our own determination just as people. And so, um, you know, there's sort of a vine for what, what kind of gets the attention right now. So I think, um, I think that's just one way to talk about how things are hidden. 
Um, I think there's a lot of other ways, but I'll stop because um, I'm sure Gordon has something to say about it as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there you can kind of look at some specific things that are uh, deliberately and politically hidden, and that's been going on for millennia. Uh, we tend to think of the uh, Christians, specifically the Catholic Church, as being very anti-magic because you obviously have the witch trials and so on. But they inherited that way of of approaching magic from the Romans. So you you had uh, it was punishable by death. Uh, to kind of sneak out of the city to practice magic in, um, I think it was Vespasian, sort of in the 200-300 AD area. It was actually the church that um, inherited these ideas that certain forms of soothsaying and astrology and the practice of magic are banned because they have political implications because they work. And in that sense, there's always a tension between uh, a, a kind of governing system and magic, because the guys who are in charge would like a monopoly on this thing that works. And that's a relationship that's played out in the Cold War with things like MKUltra and, and so on. This idea that you kind of tell, you either ban people from it, or as we did in the 20th century, tell them it doesn't exist, uh, whilst vigorously uh, using it behind the curtain. <laughs> it's, a, it's the same reasons why, too, why sex is so regulated. Um, both magic um, and sex are really intensely individualized things. And once you begin to access them and practice them in a real way, you begin to realize your individuality. Um, you begin to realize your self in some sense as a universe. And who the fucking power wants that to happen? Nobody. Um, <laughs> once you realize that you are sort of a teeming, swirling universe, because you, you, once, once you point to your own individuation, once you point to your own sort of nexus of being and all the factors that make that up, it becomes very difficult um, to have people sort of sway you, persuade you to, um, uh, to the insistence of their worldview. Um, you know, I mean, everybody has moments like these in their lives, um, very simple moments, which we tend to think of as stoner moments and kind of laugh at, you know, like, man, money doesn't have any value. It's just a piece of paper. That's actually a really profound moment. That's a betrayal of a kind of spirituality that has been forced upon us in a lot of ways. Um, or, you know, what I remember a version of this when I was a kid sitting in, in class. I was in like third, fourth grade, something like that. And I was like, why do I have to raise my hand and ask the question? As soon as you have bigger scale versions of that kind of stuff, because you're realizing the sort of primacy and intensity of your own individuality rather than the narrative that's forced on you. The people that are in power are kind of fucked if too many people do that. <laughs> it just doesn't they just can't keep it together, you know. What shocks me right now is is how many people are holding on to their worldviews. Like even though, like you know, you mentioned that they're not really watching, you know, TV at the same rate and all that kind of stuff. But it does seem to be that there's still this this massive uh, polarization and and brainwashing, even for people that would call themselves anti-establishment or you know anti this and that uh because the you know the person that they don't want you know to be in charge is is there it's, it just seems like everybody's clinging on desperately that's um that's psychologically very predictable uh that's certainly the case it's we're not this is not the 70s where you and in in a new age sense where we're all going to kind of collectively elevate our consciousness. It's more, this is why I use the, the weeds metaphor. Things are kind of crap. Uh, 
And <laughs> it's in that sort of environment that magic thrives and, and magic is found by those who look for it. But yes, it's difficult. And a lot of people, and this is not just in politics because you're completely right, a lot of people will, um, rather than change, cling to something that is, is self-evidently incorrect because it seems easier and this and we're in that we're in a kind of fairly alarming uh, polarization and i i know exactly what you mean connor and i have had these discussions where what i think people think of as um as radical in 2017 in the u.s (laughs) it's funny that um it's funny that we only became uh aware of fascism when a certain candidate didn't win, when you can kind of conclusively say either the creation of the CIA or the, you know, assassination of JFK and definitively the Patriot Act is when it was sort of enshrined. But there's a, um, and I kind of have a glass half full look at it, which is they will work out that that's not correct. So it's sort of like, it's the wrong answer to the right question. And, uh, and hopefully as, it's kind of chaos does what chaos does. Uh, more people will will reorient in a way that I think is mo- like individually and collectively beneficial. How long is that shit going to take? Because <laughs> this is getting old. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's you know the 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 really scary thing is it's not a question of content; it's a question of gesture. And what I mean by that, there's like this sort of moment where the French psychoanalyst Jacques Lacan, you know, was approached by students in 1968 and, and who were revolting at the time. And they were like, what do you, what do you think of this? What do you think about what's going on? And he said, well, look, I'm not going to give you advice. What you, you don't really want a revolution. What you want is new masters, basically. And that's the tendency um, because it's, it's a problem of actually finding a new way to move and be. Because what happens, and you can see this throughout history, is that when we dethrone one master, we pick another. What, what the occult, I hope, can help us with, um, and certain other kinds of systems that we can pull on and, 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 and ways of thinking and being, is that we don't even want masters anymore. We're not moving from one thing to the next. So there's not a vacuum right. when we sort of dethrone what's going on. Actually, there's a, a, a blooming... Um, that something grows in this in this space that is not a void, but it's actually soil. And that's difficult um, for people to grasp. And that's why when you ask about so many people holding on to their worldviews, even if they're not holding on to their worldviews, they're, you know, it's like, oh, well, Hillary lost. But don't worry, the, you know, whatever, the DNC, you know, <laughs> like, let's just move to the next basic thing. Or, you know, they'll do something that appears to be radical. They'll say, oh, well, we need socialism. We need Marxism. And I just always think to myself, like, what are you looking for um, in that moment? You're really just sort of looking for something that is, you know, marginally different. And I realize that socialists will hate me saying it's marginally different, but in a lot of ways, marginally different compared to what we could create. I'll say that yeah, at, least, yeah. at least compared to what we could be doing, you know. What do you think causes that? Is that from like uh, a generation of people that... <clears throat> have kind of lost that you know that that i don't know what the word is maybe gumption gumption or whatever that uh 
that people used to have to kind of do things for themselves. And nowadays they just kind of want to sit on their couch and play video games and have fucking life delivered to them. <laughs> for me, that would be part of it, but I want to, and I, and I, I give this to both, um, you know, people who voted Trump and people who are extremely upset that Trump won. Uh, people are really angry and, and really, really angry and justifiably so. And the trouble with that psychologically is um, anger is anger is extremely useful in the short term, but it's not the best place to to build from given the circumstances. So I think a lot of it, it's you don't you don't think through very well, which is as Connor said, like, well, what are you going to do? Replace um, if you if you impeach Trump, you end up with President Pence and he's like actually worse. Like, have you actually <laughs> thought about how this would work? And of course they haven't, because. The uh, the emotional place for it is 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 not kind of aligned with what needs to happen. It's again one of those short term things. The the anger can be useful, but uh, it's you don't think as well uh, when you're angry. And and I'd I'd give them that as well as the sort of other side of it, which is we have there there are better ways we could be living and experiencing the world in a way that isn't mediated by either digital platforms or excuses or so on. And uh, this kind of journey, sex would do it. Um, allegedly, I'm in a long-term monogamous relationship. What do I know? Uh, but magic certainly would as well. And, and that's, that is actually the, that's the challenge. That's the quest. That's the thing that I hope we're either forced to do because it gets even worse, or we, on an individual basis, work out this is what we should be doing. What would be an example? Like, how would someone listen to this podcast right now? How could they get started down that path? I want to jump in first there because they have, uh, there's a chapter in the Chaos Protocols called Becoming Invincible. And what that essentially means is that you have to have some experience that uh, will permanently and completely break a uh, materialist technocratic paradigm. You need to have something happen to you that shows that this is not correct. And, and you will never, because we do tend to backslide in, in Western cultures, we will backslide into a sort of Cartesian naturalist interpretation if we're not paying attention. But you need to be abducted by aliens. You need to have some sort of you know profound entheogenic shamanic experience in the Amazon. I use other examples because I don't even think these need to be nice. And I think from a magical perspective, uh, historically, they rarely were. If you if you look at the different magical modes around the world and back through time, uh, something Dr. Kripal says, an encounter with God can kill you. Uh, that's the reality of these sort of experiences. So I speciously use an example of you can bust into an abandoned mental hospital in the middle of the night with an Ouija board, and you will come out of that experience um, probably crazy and terrifying, but you will come out of it knowing, and, and consider how much more valuable this is, you will come out of it knowing that the next time you see Bill Nye and his stupid bow tie on television, he's talking shit. Uh, there, there's, no way, there's no way of getting the toothpaste back into the tube. And that, funny enough, is, is quite a good first step. It, you may already have had it. People who listen to this show may have grown up in a haunted house or, or whatever it happens to be, but you need something... That isn't like a mild, oh, that's funny synchronicity. Uh, you know, the, the reality of magic 
needs to uh, punch you in the neck. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking I think about... I think... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just thinking, you, you were talking about how the paranormal or and or a spiritual experience would mold your, your worldview a little bit and sort of wake you up, Mushrooms count? Yeah, mushrooms count. That's an yes. entheogenic I mean, experiment. I mean, experience, but... But I mean, and that that's partly of why this whole <clears throat> awakening is happening. I'm assuming that there's been so many people that have had these experiences and they have platforms like this where they can talk about them. That must have something to do with this as well. hundred well, percent. Yeah. I think, I think it's, I think it's really good. You know, I mean, it was something that, you know, maybe what, like 15 years ago or something, Daniel Pinchbeck was talking about a lot, like, and he really took it from Terrence McKenna, but I think he said it quite well when he was just like, look, these are going to be medicine. Like these, these things are going to be medicine for people that are really confused. Like this just needs to happen right now. Uh, more, more than 15 years ago, actually, because he was talking about it in reference to 2012, <laughs> which by the way, did probably happen. Um, exactly. <laughs> really funny thing, thing about, but, um, but, but, you know, I always, I don't shame people for doing drugs, but a lot of spiritual people give me shit for being like, I'm not anti-drug. Like I'm not the Nancy Reagan of the occult, (laughs) but I do think that like we need for various reasons, but I do think that we need to somehow um, add a level or a layer of intention to the, the way we encounter things after we do drugs. Right. Because lots of people have, Lots of people trip, especially ayahuasca now is really permeated culture in a, in a, in a big way. Um, and they're, they're still having these experiences, but it gets reduced, um, again, to something sort of flaccid, for lack of a better term. Like, it becomes something that's not really doing much for them, um, can't really work in them in any deep way. And what you often see is people who do hallucinogenics do again and again and again and again and again, which I think is fine. I don't have any sort of moral prescription against that. But as a sort of um, as a sort of way to evade spiritual work, because it's there's effort in the trip, but you don't have to put any effort into getting there. You don't have to put effort in what Gordon is talking about. One of the most significant aspects of what he's talking about is like, you got to be kind of fucked up. Right. I was lucky enough to be like really fucked up at an early age for a lot of reasons. (laughs) Right. And to have scary shit happen to me you know, just sort of scary everyday, um, horrible stuff. And then also some supernatural stuff. Um, but you also have to like, you, it really has to start feeling like a risk at a certain point. And people are just doing hallucinogenics again and again, they're not necessarily experiencing that risk. A lot of them aren't experiencing the risk at all. Um, and so when you talk about a Ouija board and a haunted house, um, you know, you got to crawl out of that really got to crawl out of that in a way. And I'm sure a lot of people have really had that kind of thing follow them around. Gordon and I talked and, you know, I had an event when I was eight or something where I like tried to summon the devil. And that honestly, that followed me around that event, that fucked up event followed me around until I talked to Gordon. Like, uh, I mean, it's still following me, but it's like something healthy happened after that conversation. And so, um, Gordon, and also reading uh, another book from Scarlet Imprint called Apocalyptic Witchcraft by Peter Gray, it's, it's, um, these things happen and they will fucking haunt you. They're scary, but they're not worse than the world we live in, you know? And that's the no point. No, that's absolutely. 
Uh, and I think it's well. If I can interrupt you there, Nancy, um, <laughs> uh, you're absolutely right. It's kind of like recreational uh, subsequent use of uh, entheogens. But if you do, going back to McKenna, um, five grams of dried mushrooms taken in silent darkness, you come out of that. It, the, the key for me is like, can you look at Bill Nye and just go in your head? Uh, and 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 never let him convince you. Like if you were trapped, like in the movie Saw with Bill Nye, um, <laughs> never let. Like you you won't ever backslide into it. And and one of those events that was the devil for you as as an eight year old. It can be, and it it really doesn't. In the long run, it doesn't matter as long as you do something with it. And and the first thing with it is to live in that bigger universe that happens once you. That's why I call it becoming invincible. Because all of a sudden, everything else. And something Connor and I have spoken about. Trump, Clinton, whatever, uh, they're playing a much, much smaller game than you once you realize, once you are at that level of, of invincibility. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I, I think the next step after that is doing what I call becoming psychotic, right? So you, you have to start creating, and this is, this is very funny because this is happening in the world in a widespread way. You have to start creating your own facts. Now, there's a really negative way that that's happening in the world, which is that um, everything is just sort of abandoned. What you don't like is not a fact. But that's not really procreative. People are just inheriting the facts that they want. Mm -hmm. What you actually have to do is begin to create the facts of the universe itself. So, like, for instance, I was reading this book. um, This is just a few months ago. Reading this book about this um, magician, this healer that lived in Cyprus. And I was really fascinated with him. I was really taken by him. And um, this is the second time I've read about him, but I was just getting sort of deeper and deeper into to relating to this guy. And I was like, I need to learn more about Cyprus. I want to learn more about what that place is like, what the sort of geography, the psychogeography, the magical geography, all that kind of stuff is. And so I'm sitting in my apartment and I've lived here for three and a half years, a little more than that. And I look over and on my bookshelf is a book that the title is Cyprus. I never bought this book. I never, I did not purchase it. I'd never seen it before or whatever. And so I looked at it and I was like, what the fuck is happening? So obviously I do this, you know, um, I do this sort of rational thing. I'm like, well, my roommate moved out in December. It's probably his book, right? Like I could, I could, I could call him up and he'd be like, that's my book, right? What, what, what I choose to do instead is say, no, this book was put here for me. And should I talk to my roommate about it, say to myself, well, sure, you think you put this here, but actually the universe arranged your memory to have thought that you put this here. So in fact, everything was sort of arranged so I could have this book on my shelf. Now, that might sound crazy to you. However, I'm not an idiot. I'm not like genuinely psychotic um, or, or I, maybe I am, but I'm not genuinely psychotic in the way that it's like a. And, and I'm not romanticizing psychosis uh, in the sense that I can't control it or whatever. I, but I can't unthink now this fact that I created myself. Sure, I still have my doubts and I can't unthink those either. But I've created an option for myself now and I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop creating the world as I want to see it. And these ultimately creative acts, I think, are what start to stem out of this thing of becoming invincible, because not only are you invincible to, hey, like we're going to take your 
land. We're going to take your life. We're going to take your livelihood. And you're like, you know what? I'm a spiritual being. I have this intensity and invincibility in this universe because I am a star or whatever you want to say. But you also start then to say, I am invincible against your narrative. I'm invincible against your common sense, which is not common to me. I'm invincible against everything that you can hurl about me because I am now creating everything. And that's that's when, um, you know, for me, things start getting really, really fucking intense. Um, and that itself is a magical act. Wow. That's, is that, yeah. You have to rein that in at all, or? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I mean, I mean, I'm not, I don't mean in a negative way, but I mean, is, is can that become dangerous? Like, is, is that kind of what i guess no it's not but people can definitely take it out of context all day yeah that's you know it's like i've trained myself for years to be able to do that without losing my shit you know so it's like yes of course it's dangerous and you're in Um, california (laughs) exactly but i mean i was doing it before too of course it's of course it's dangerous becoming invincible like with the Ouija board in the haunted house is dangerous. Doing uh, Evoca is dangerous. Like these things are dangerous. That's the point. What's you the least to... dangerous of these that I can do? <laughs> um, I've been asked that before. I, I honestly think it's uh, like doing the Amazon thing right, uh, rather than finding something that's conveniently located for you. I think whenever you put yourself in. A, and respectfully put yourself in in a structure that is designed to do this, uh, and and that seems to be the one that has captured the popular culture, but uh, consciousness. But also, I think ayahuasca about ten or so years ago decided to get up from the jungle and said, "Right, you fuckers need some sorting out." And uh, and she's been on a real tear since then. <laughs> so I I honestly think, yeah, uh, within a a living system that you have legitimate access to with someone who is actually a professional, we should do this. Like if you consider what would have happened had we not uh, pushed all these entheogens back behind the curtain because they, uh, we were investigating whether or not they could be weaponized during the Cold War. Can you imagine what would have happened to different schools of psychotherapy if of, of open research into how we incorporate that into Jungian Western modes and so on, we wouldn't need to go to the Amazon because we would have the functional expression of, of, of that mode of healing available to us in our culture. And I suspect one way or the other, with the liberalization of laws and so on, um, we will get that and it'll just be about a century late. <laughs> hey, what about just a regular yoga and meditation practice? I mean, that'll get you there. No, no, that ain't getting you there. Yeah, it gets no, it gets no, me no, there. No, See, I no, I appreciate what, no, but I appreciate what you guys said about <laughs> uh, about about entheogens and the abuse that can happen too, right? Like I come from you know abusing alcohol and drugs till I got to my bottom, and then I had to get out of that, and that's that's the the negative thing that happened to me. So for you know nine years, I've been trying it the the own natural way, just just to be more spiritual, I guess, or healthy. But um, but even you know guys like even Graham Hancock, you know he he cures his his pot addiction through um, ayahuasca. But then he's done that like sixty or seventy times. So when does that become an, an addiction <laughs> that you know you're just constantly weed. seeking, right? Well, I mean, I I think you're I think the 
the addiction, I don't know how you dealt with your addiction. I don't know if you want the 12 step or not, but I mean, certainly people who have in mind to work 12 step with, uh, spiritual principles in mind, you know, either from the get go or when they get into it. I mean, that is a spiritual step ladder if you want it to be. And I'm not saying it is for everybody and I don't, you know, it's not effective for everybody even that has, you know, it goes, goes for addiction stuff, but that's, that's there in a way. What you guys are talking about um, when you say, what's the easy, what's the sort of light way? What's the, um, there are ways, right? Like it just, they just take a long time and you want them to take a long time. You want to, you're, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to do it either way. Right. So there's a whole step system from Anthroposophy, the system created by Rudolf Steiner. There's a really great little book called Stairway to Surprise by Michael Lipson. Um, and it'll lead you through the steps to sort of refining your personality and creating um, spiritual sense organs in a way. It takes a long time. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do that work anyway. So even if you have the really profound right. traumatic, you're going to have to do this work anyway because you need to refine your person, your personhood. Um, and how the light gets in and out of you. You have to be a good lens and prism. Mm. But, but, but using that as the system to get to what Gordon is saying, like you might not want to do that right now at this moment in time. You know, you might want to just throw a wrench in the gears and, um, and, and, and scare the shit out of yourself. And I also think, you know, if you really don't want to engage, like if you're just like, man, I mean, I think there's a, in some senses, even a moral obligation to engage at this point. But if you don't want to, um, you know, like check out like positive thinking stuff. And Gordon and I have talked about this a little bit before. If you, if you engage with that kind of stuff the right way, even if it's like Abraham Esther Hicks kind of stuff or mm-hmm. whatever, there or, or or Seth speaks that kind of stuff. There is a deep spiritual principle and value in mm-hmm. it. But you have to really, really work it. You can't be like, oh, great. Like, uh, you know, I, like, I, you know, I found a parking spot and now I'm getting my kale juice. Thank you, universe. Like, you should do that, too. That's great, too. Be grateful for your parking spot and kale juice. But you can't, um, you got to work it. That's not becoming invincible that. unless I manage to slip some psilocybin into the kale juice. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I'm just good luck finding your car once that's done. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're right, of course, if, if there, there are plenty of reasons why people uh, may have some, you know, personal reasons as to why, you know, they shouldn't go and get stoned in the jungle. That's completely fine. It does kind of put you in that, okay, then, you haven't been abducted by aliens. As far as I'm concerned, to satisfy becoming invincible, if you haven't been abducted by aliens, then you're kind of left with magic for the Ouija board. <laughs> and, uh, because those are the things that, you like... It can't just be the benign, funny coincidence stuff. It, it, it needs to be an encounter with the numinous that, you know, his, well, not historically, biblically, biblically will turn people to salt. Uh, it, it needs to be, it, it needs to be of sufficient intensity so that afterwards, um, the, the kind of process, and Connor was talking about this, but the, the yoga and meditation bit comes into it. That is a reintegration and further activation. Like once you become invincible, you got to do something. You don't just wander <laughs> out into traffic and yell "invincible." Uh, and that's that's actually the journey. So, and it, that that essentially maps to if you want to say vision quests or even shamanic initiations and so on, or the narrative structure. Frankly, that you have to have that traumatic 
and profound shadow enco- uh, encounter, and then the the rest of however long you are left on Earth is about integrating and activating that. If yeah. you want to do something that, like, if you want to do something that, like, right now, as you're listening to this podcast, this like people are scared to even do this. But just fucking after the podcast is done, or just <laughs> press pause, go outside, look up at the sky, and yell. And it doesn't matter if there are people around. I'm ready. Show up, yeah. right? If you do that, I promise you something will happen. Now, it might not be obvious at Conan first. will actually be at the door, like if you hear the doorbell. When you decide to start, that, that's not going to be, again, that's not the action that Gordon and I are talking about. And that's not the refinement that I'm talking about either. But that is a way to start, like right now. So, um, What if, exactly if is it? Is it just shedding that, that caring what other people think? That's one that I think like the world would be a, a way better place if people could just get rid of that one right away. The more I'm sure, able, I think I, in this instance, yeah, in this incident, and it, we can talk about philosophical or metaphysical models as to how this might work. But in some sense, uh, in in some sense, and I, I tend towards a sort of um, whitehead approach to this. Uh, you are co-creative. Uh, in your experience of the universe, it will respond if you do that, and, and it will. It doesn't even need to be yelling at clouds. Uh, he did say he wasn't psychotic, but yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, the universe will will always accept that invitation, uh, always. So, and and as to why that is the case, again, this comes back to the belief system that says that doesn't happen, which is this kind of uh, materialist technocratic thing we have is provably false in it has been falsified so you're kind of left with well something must happen because the 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 worldview the, the one worldview on the planet that says nothing will happen is falsified so that's kind of what you're doing there you know, the universe will take that invitation uh, and then you'll get the kind of string of weird stuff happening as you're driving off to get your um, drugged kale juice and, uh, and, Let's and just all keep of weaving them all together. Yeah. <laughs> and all this of a sudden so you'll end up like reading books uh, that you hadn't found before and meeting people. And you kind of, <laughs> Crowley said, um, I strayed onto the path direct. And that's kind of what you're daring the universe to, uh, to arrange for you when you uh, yell at clouds. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I, I did want to expand, Connor, on the on the twelve step thing because it was that was a, a solution for me personally. I, the spirit, you know, the spiritual part of that was was a solution. I mean, it was easier for me in some ways because I had this spiritual part of me when I was younger. I was doing meditation courses and stuff in like the early nineties, and then I'd lost all that. So <clears throat> I can see how for some people it would be difficult, but for me it was definitely a big part of that, and I still practice that type of work. Uh, and it's very helpful still. So I just wanted to, to say that. And, and it is, it, it is interesting though, the stages of waking up, like through, especially now, even with all these current events happening, you know, I mean, what used to be people would talk about stuff and conspiracies and, you know, we're just told lies and this and that. And I mean, as we go through these stages, you realize that more and more of that is, is true. And for me anyways, my worldview keeps changing. I think, I mean, it's uh it's still difficult, but well, well, one of the things that one of the things that twelve step programs do 
that is very rare in this culture is you have people with a certain disease speaking to each other about their disease in a serious way. So they come together and they engage sometimes seven days a week and, and um, find communion with other people who are sick in the same way. We're all sick in this culture, and that is not to compare the kind of cultural illnesses we have all to each other or equate them with alcoholism or addiction or anything like that. This is not all an addiction model, but that doesn't work for all of it. However, um, if we all came together seven nights a week, met with someone who had the same illness as us and sat in a room and talked, a profound healing effect starts to happen and a profound revelation of the way the world works begins to appear. These are circles of disease and healing. So um, that's why that kind of stuff, on, on top of everything else that's in there, yeah, that's yeah. one of the reasons why we yeah, yeah, I totally Well, that's agree. promising because, I mean, we were talking before about how we're about to see or we're in the process of watching all this shit come crumbling down now. Like, you know, the media and all that, like, those, the days are numbered. And in its place, you're going to see it replaced by all these smaller little communities of, you know, different podcasts or different YouTube channels and things like that. And I wonder if that isn't, like, baby steps towards those you know, smaller face-to-face communities. Instead, everyone's sitting on the couch and watching, you know, Big Bang Theory or whatever the kids are watching these days. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's it. I think that's a very, that's just the electronic, the digital version of what Connor was talking about. I think people yeah. Want... Go ahead. Uh, I wonder if I kind of, the, uh, let me put it this way. The the promise of digital utopianism in <laughs> the 90s when we all had, you know, bleached blonde hair and thought we were, you know, using our modems to access IRC and we're going to change the world and a kind of splendid identity morphing thing. It's turned out to not at all be the case. It's a military surveillance technology. Uh, and I think the breakdown that we're seeing is also happening digitally. And because this was, you know, what I did in London before I moved, the, the sort of digital strategy. The thing that is, we're actually experiencing a return of the real. If you look at what the kids these days, quote unquote, are actually using, which is something like Snapchat, like they think of Facebook as LinkedIn, like it's something because <laughs> their parents are on. Uh, Snapchat represents a return of the real because if you weren't there for the moment, you don't get it. Uh, and and that's what people who are born and raised in a digital environment are now looking for. And I kind of hope in the in the general collapse of all these monoliths, which includes I would include Facebook as probably the worst and and prime example of that monolithic culture. As people migrate out of that, uh, the thing they're migrating to is the real, and this manifests in kind of early sort of season shoot ways as. Uh, and interest, and, and we tease people for it, and it's fine. You just got to look further up the timeline. But people who are interested in things like craft beer and the makers movement and all this kind of stuff, you're actually seeing people realize that this, this, this technocratic promise is disgusting. It's awful. Uh, <laughs> and we don't want it. And uh, what I like about podcast is that although it is a digitally delivered uh, product, you are actually getting human voices. And having grown up in regional Australia uh, prior to the internet, this is the kind of thing that I would have, it was, would have been like oxygen growing up, but it would have been like oxygen because 
it would have been embodied in my life. Like I could walk around my town listening to these voices. And, and that's where I kind of see, I hope, my hope for digital in the medium term is that we all realize that the future is not actually going to be digital, but we can use the digital to get to the future. Right. Yes. That's like, that's the best way to put it. <clears throat> the, the, the technological stuff, this technique has showed up to give us something. Um, some of us will realize it. Some of us won't. Um, but this sort of uh, fluorescing of these technologies where, I mean, just, just look at our daily lives, our work lives for everybody. You know, even blue collar workers sit at computers now. So you have people who are stationary um, in one position and their fingers and eyes are moving. Whereas, and, and that's what work looks like. Um, you sit, you move your fingers, you move your eyes. And internally, there's all kinds of stuff going on. You know, look at, so that, that's a big part of everybody's day now, which is crazy. Um, I don't even sitting, move my eyes that much. <laughs> <laughs> Not even Okay. So then in your everyday life, outside of work and also at work, you carry around this little rectangle with you that you operate with your hands. So this sort of triangulation of space is completely different now. We walk around looking at our phones as we walk. We, there, there, there's such an intensity of a sort of link to this little viewfinder that we have that people can't experience something without taking a selfie of themselves. However, that's interesting, this reflective process where they hold their phone up and take a picture of themselves in front of the Grand Canyon. They make themselves equal to the Grand Canyon in some way. Nothing sublime anymore. We begin to understand how we're related to things. You can look up something happening in China while you're on the street in Detroit. All this, so, so you're carrying the entirety of space around with you. Um, so all these changes in our spatial dimension and our, and, and our temporality have happened because of this. Right. So this is why one of the one of the reasons why singularity stuff is so stupid. It's like it's stupid because like, look, the, this shit has happened like it, it's already here. And this is this is an extension, by the way, of when Neil Armstrong went to the moon and he lands on the moon and he sees the earth and he holds his hand up and he puts his thumb over the earth. And someone's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I everything I know is behind my thumb. Right. Well, what could be a better description of our world right now than everything we know being right at our thumbs, how we operate our phones, right? We've condensed spatial awareness into uh, something that we manipulate with our hands and something we try. So those are some of the things that we are learning and that are given to us um, in the future that Gordon's saying by this kind of technology. It has all its problems. We've made it... Um, you know, Rudolf Steiner called it the iron necessity. We've, we've, we've had this iron necessity, this trade-off with these demons to have this lesson. Um, and now we will move forward. Um, but we have to absorb the actual lessons, which are lessons of consciousness, interactions with space and time, instead of thinking that it's about having a robot puppy or, or you know, yogurt that comes out of a wall when you press a button or some bullshit <laughs> like that. You know? I didn't even know that was I don't think that's yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> the arc he's out of that hole in the, like a in glory the, hole right? <laughs> <laughs> so you know the other the glass half full part of that is is that it seems like i was just thinking this digital you know platform especially facebook twitter and all this other stuff is really um under how do i explain it it's like it kind of 
you know, it's almost manifesting this awakening. Like people are realizing that the control mechanism is there because now it's becoming obvious, right? Like before, you know, saying, oh, the yep. people control the narrative in Facebook or whatever. Like now it's becoming blatantly obvious that there is a control mechanism giving you a narrative through these platforms that billions of people are on. And it's almost exposing that mechanism that may not have been exposed so easily before. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the last person who thinks... Uh, who will be left on Twitter? Who thinks everything is is fine? Is Joy Reid? Um, because <laughs> like the, the rest of us are like this is this is manipulated garbage, and and you you can kind of see in the people you follow or engage with a uh, an increasingly acute denialism for a lot of them, and then other people just going, I'm going to use this, not necessarily under protest, but I'm going to use this being aware of what it is exactly, exactly. Uh, for my own purposes. Uh, which do not end on this platform. And uh, and I think that is kind of what I was saying before about why we live in occult times is that the surfacing of this stuff, as you know, as a conspiracy podcast, you guys are aware, it, five, six years ago, outside of, say, 9-11, everything was just lurid, you know, <laughs> and no one would believe you. They'd be like, you know, um, prior to Snowden, the idea that you'd have discussions about surveillance or, or what people are doing um, made you sound insane. And now it's, like the actual president of the United States is tweeting about it. Uh, we live in we live in times where these kind of things, both truths and falsehoods, are surfacing from where they were uh, previously hidden. And they're happening like they're happening. You know, I mean, as everybody knows, they're happening like one second behind, right? And so that's another like weird thing about these changes that are happening. Our temporal sense has changed. We walk around thinking in status updates, which is completely crazy, and tweets, and trying to arrange our thoughts into sound bites and all this kind of stuff is very bizarre. And it's all sort of a document of the experience. And it is this really, like, to bring it to a spiritual level, it's this really fucked up form of Buddhism, right? Like where everybody's living in the present. I mean, maybe just one second behind. But it is this sort of like ultra mindfulness, which is really messed everybody up. Like we thought that Buddhism would be this like religion of peace. But this is what it looks like when the world is Buddhist. It looks like a fucking fight on Facebook. Like it's not it's not fun. It looks like it looks like um, not being able to see something without saying I am looking at this thing. You know, that's what they teach you in, in mindfulness. And so there is, there is um, I'm, I'm saying that to indicate there are spiritual conspiracies at play here. There are beings at play here that are doing things with us and distorting. Um, and, and, and you don't have to think of them as spirit. Like if you don't want, you don't have to think of them as like Poseidon and like <laughs> Aphrodite or whatever. You can if you want to. But what, what you can think of them as current forces, sort of repetitions of patterns and culture that show up and fuck us up. Um, and so I, I think that there are things afoot, you know, in these technologies that are um, deeply spiritual and deeply conspiring. And that's 100%. And, and funnily enough, when you say giving people an out there, which I wouldn't give them, I think you should think <laughs> of them as, I think you should get, think of them as spiritual beings because smarter people than you have, like, uh, <laughs> right. you know, Jung, for instance, <laughs> Jung, for instance, is like, no, the, the best. Honestly, the best interpretation of what I've been studying my entire life is that these things have an objective and separate reality or oddly separate, uh, complicatedly separate. And when you come to an interesting way of talking about um, it's a kind of demonic Buddhism. Uh, it's we have 
available to us a synthetic total religion uh, and it will feel synthetic in your mouth if you do it so mindfulness in google uh, uh this kind of and the opportunity that the, the the false promise of a uh, a digital future and and so on every component of of what would otherwise be a coherent analog spiritual path is available and it is supremely gnostic it is literally the sin of the demiurge to create a synthetic version of the numinous to trap people. And so when Connor's saying, maybe think about these things as, as spirit beings, like, well, here's some I prepared earlier. Like we, we actually have a map for how we navigate. There is a, um, you know, let's science it up a bit. There's an extra dimensional component to how complex this terrain is. I wonder, so, because I've had the conversation with people about how, you know, if the, if the, if it's possible that the brain works, that it's kind of like, as long as you organize things in a certain pattern, it's going to come up with the same abilities or, or something like that. Like the idea that your iPhone could be just, you know, enslaved in this case, somehow suffering away and somehow conscious. I wonder <laughs> if the internet couldn't, you know, somehow be becoming self-aware and, and you know, but you wonder, you always assumed it would be malevolent if it ever did become self-aware, but maybe these leaks and, and all this, this stuff showing us the different layers of control is like the internet fighting back. I mean, I, if it has an awareness, it has its own agenda. Like it, it may not right. be malevolent, but this is the sort of, this is what Elon Musk says about AI. Like you, you'd be, um, even though kind of like what Connor said about the singularity, it's, it's bullshit. It relies on, on, a, on a false model of consciousness in the brain. But you can, <laughs> and we already have, like developed things that are so technologically sophisticated that they can be proxy people um, to within, you know, 95% of what a real human could be. And once you get into that territory, you're dealing with something that may... Uh, well, by definition, and no other no other organism has a morality that matches humans in the organisms we see that do appear to have them. So, why would a uh, a being that approximates self consciousness to such a degree that it, it's um, it, it's almost equivalent have the same kind of moral code that we would? It'd be totally it'd be totally different. I mean, I, yeah, I like calling those things artificial stupidity, you know, it's not very yeah. intelligent, you know, like why we, <laughs> what do we call artificial? And, it, it, and it's, and it may not even be, I mean, lots of things can be intelligent. I get that like equations themselves have them, their own sort of, you know, way of playing themselves out that may look in some ways to be alive, all that kind of stuff. But it's like, um, you don't, the, 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 the mistake is that the computer is conscious. Um, but it, it's actually the, you know, if you, if you create a golem and you write the sort of letters on its forehead and it springs to life, the letters in Hebrew on its forehead and it springs to life, it's not the letters that did it. And nor is it's it intention. the statue, right? It's, it's an intention and universal attention. It's yes. the way that if I plant an acorn in the ground, the soil forces, the um, the rain, the sun, the conditions of the spinning earth all notice. It's a moment of attention. And then suddenly this attention um, 
becomes a living being in its own way. And, and so, you know, that's, that's why this idea like, well, I'll just, you know, type these numbers into a computer and suddenly like all those zeros and X's, I, I, Scarlett Johansson's now my girlfriend. Like, it's just like, it's crazy. Like that movie her, like, it's like this crazy view of how things work and that's not it at all. Um, so and we've, we've also rendered over to, and you know, with the caveat that neurodivergence is what it is, but we've we've basically rendered over to the people who are least adept at develop at understanding human emotion. I'm thinking of people like Peter Thiel, who is just way up the spectrum, right? Um, these are the people who are going to build things <laughs> that are actual humans. Like they, they, it's it's like you found from a personality perspective people least qualified to determine what is and isn't a human and said, yeah, go build some humans. You go, I don't know if this is going to work that well. I've never met one, but I think this would be good. It's like, the, yeah. it's like, it's like how poli when politicians create legislation around sex, I'm like, you guys literally have the most distorted worst sexualities in the world. You're not even allowed to say you like pussy. Like you, you like, and you're going to make a law about how people should interact sexually. This is preposterous. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it almost seems like I was going to expand on Darren's thing about the internet, like just like what you were saying, Connor, about intention and combined in, at, intention and, and attention. Like, you know, maybe that's one of the reasons why the polarization is getting worse before it sort of peaks and then hopefully comes back to the middle is everybody's throwing their intention in there and it's just sort of um, expanding it. Mm -hmm. I don't think it. I don't think it expands and contracts back to the middle. By the way, I think it. I think it stretches out and breaks, and we have a very real opportunity to claim the middle for ourselves because no one's in it at the moment. Can we uh, get and, that? How do we get our hands on that? I was wondering about that Nothing too. Though, we can do yet. You don't. You don't think the middle's expanding as well, or is it really just? Is it really just? Because I used to think that there was a bigger middle growing as well, but now is after, there any? Is there any good being in the middle? Is it? Can it what good's the middle if no one else is there? <laughs> Well, I don't yeah, think my, I don't my think taint is really yet. sensitive. Then everyone, <laughs> yeah. then you're just getting rocks thrown at you from both sides. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think the time is now for that. Um, I, you kind of this is not the point in the timeline where we go back to rational discussion, but we will have an opportunity when um, it turns out that heading very far left and very far right is is unsatisfying to be able to do it, and and the reason you do it is uh, your worldview is in. And, and and you're better off having sane discussions with people who think differently to you or you will learn things from it. And at the moment, we're not learning from each other at all. Um, we've decided we know exactly what everything in the universe works like, and this is exactly what we should do. And um, anyone who disagrees is gone, is gone, gone, gone. And that's really bad. The, um, the interplay between different perspectives and personality types has been a huge part of how we have built out um, discourse in the West. Like, you know, we can argue, and I think correctly, that it was a, it was a, almost a monoracial polyvalence, but it was more polyvalent than you would find anywhere else. And now the goal is to actually get a genuine polyvalence and have people talk and, and learn from each other. And, and the, um, it is just too toxic to do that at the moment, and and th that will end, uh, and and we just need to be ready to race to the middle when uh, when that happens. Yeah, and, and I think <clears throat> one of the ways to see this middle that he's talking about 
I mean, it's not, it, it, it almost, I, I almost don't even like the word middle or, or, or center here. It's something else. Um, but it, but it's, it's not, it's not just between those poles. It's a tension, you know, maybe between them, but it's not, it's not just something that's between them. So it's like, I often piss people off because they'll, for lots of reasons, but they'll chime in on Twitter and be like, well, what, what you don't realize is blah, blah. And I'm always like, I don't listen. I don't value disagreement. Like I'm not interested in disagreement. And, and people like, what you can't hear views that you don't agree with. And I'm like, it's just not productive to me because we're already on a playing field where someone's right and someone's wrong. Now, of course, and you've probably heard it 10 times on this podcast already where I've called people stupid and wrong and blah, 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 blah. However, the, the ideal stance for me and what I try to take in my life when I'm a little more clear is like, there's no urgency to right and wrong. It actually offers very little. Um, what matters instead is taking an interest, um, really taking an interest. So when, when Gordon's talking about talking to people that you disagree with or that, you are, that, that have different views than you or whatever, what I suspect he means and what I hope for in this is not you have um, uh, someone t- like Bill Maher talking to Milo or uh, like Joe Rogan talking to Milo is actually probably a better example, right? Where they appear to disagree, but in fact, like they come at each other sort of in, and maybe they don't even appear to disagree, but they come at each other like oppositionally. So they're in the same current, so they're doing the same thing. So they basically have the same worldview. The worldview just contains different content every once in a while. What really would be fucking crazy is if, and this is some of the work that, I try to do, I know Gordon does, I know you guys do in your podcast, is you find people that are just into shit you do not understand or believe you can't contain, that is beyond you, that is bizarre. Have conversations with those people. Um, meet those people because those are the worldviews that really will start to infuse things. It's not about getting in arguments with people that you don't like um, or who, you know, that's more no, yeah, the same, I'm, essentially. Like when I say the middle, I don't mean a debate chamber where the right. left and the right get it um, get its edges rounded off, and you just end up back with Tony Blair. Um, I, that, that's where I go to steal. Like I, I go to steal because I haven't, I don't have all the answers, uh, and someone else may. So in that sense, and and that happens with the interaction. It, it's not the middle isn't the halfway point where you kind of put a half blue drink and half red drink into a glass and go middle. Uh, it's, it's that um, it's a marketplace of ideas, and and we're missing that, and and that's where I go to steal. I steal from the marketplace. Yeah, and that and that and that urgency of half red, half blue, or that urgency of of argument, doesn't it reveal how deeply people believe in original sin? If 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 I think that I need to be right um, in an argument, that that it's really important to present the correct view. And not the interesting view, not the curious view, not the developed view, or even the fantastic view. I'm showing how much I think, how urgent I think it is to avoid the sort of fall from grace. How urgent I think it is to redeem myself constantly. And you know, you might instead just uh, just meet people that are fucking wackos. Hang out, you know, come hang out with me while I'm yelling at the sky and holding my cypress book. I guess sort of whatever. And, and that again is related to this chapter, this being invincible chapter, um, which also comes complete with a really 
from the outset, just like intense, crazy looking ritual that you can do, um, where you, that it extends from that when people are making gestures and doing moves that just seem out of whack, that just seem so, but take an interest in it and something happens, you know? I'll come yell at the sky with you. Next time you're in Alberta, we should have done it then. I know, I know. We could have all cloud busted together. Graham's big into the cloud busting. I'm down with it. Or actually, he's more interested in chemtrail busting. I just like Kate, Kate Bush's video had an, had an effect on me when I was like 15. <laughs> oh, you know what? Maybe Elton John's drum solo gets you into the club. Yeah. That's probably good. Yeah, I yeah. had a pretty spiritual experience with that, yeah. Well, it's funny how before podcasts, it was music, you know? Music was kind of that thing you could take with you, and and it was, you know, physical. You could hear it instead of just reading it or, you know. I think it's still important. Music is Music? Important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's too bad that the marketplace is so polluted with crap. <laughs> I think it's better. It's, I mean, I, I think it's better now than, than having, uh, you know, being, remember years ago we were forced to listen to the same stuff unless you go home with your records and play your own stuff. You know, yeah. now it's, it's quite a bit different now. I think um, one of the things I've, because I left Australia when I was, Whatever, twenty one and a half, and and came back at thirty five. Um, the the radio hasn't changed, uh, and it reminds me of what you were just saying. So if I'm just pootling about town to town, picking up different things, and I have the radio on, my goodness, how many times in an hour do I have to hear Justin Bieber? Like it's it's the same, and it's awful. And you think, wow, I remember when you would have to like pulled out and, and wade through garbage to hear a particular track that you want to go, it's on. Ah, oh, the reception yeah. is terrible. Why yeah. would you do this? And, uh, and I think that that's happened to everything. Like it is so awful. The majority of it. everything kind of has that, um, you know, long tail fat head shape to it. And <laughs> comics have been ruined. Uh, music has been ruined, but it's been ruined on a macro level. That just means you have to, go on that quest and 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 funnily enough it it becomes more rewarding when that happens it is that almost like a zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance search for quality like what is good why why is this like how is this good and that isn't and it, you end up you end up in some very metaphysical places when you try to navigate drek to find those those um you know more profound moments yeah, it's it's really it's really cool when you talk about it that way. I mean, it's you know one of those trade offs that we have is more people can create music, can create movies, can create fiction, can create pornography, can create podcasts, all that. So like the fact that we can all create it makes it all available. But we are really just still learning how to deal with the fact that we can create it. We don't need other people's money to create it in the same way anymore. Um, and what does that mean for? our ability to choose what we like. And so I love the idea of like, yeah, you have to go on a quest to create your own taste in a way that it was really, if you want, um, but really taste was selected for you in a lot of other ways. I mean, it, it was curated a lot of times by people who really, you know, when I was a kid, I would watch 120 minutes. <laughs> you guys remember that it was like this MTV, like underground music and you have to stay up till fucking midnight to watch it. It was two hours long and they would play like these videos. They would only play once. And that was really cool. And 
so it was being that, that kind of presentation being selected for me, you know, um, but it was like scraps. It was like, well, this is all I got, you know? So like, I, I better like this like new REM song because it's the only, it's the only music that's remotely weird, you know? So then I went beyond that and started listening to punk music, going to record stores and getting seven inches and um, going to shows and who's the opening band, getting catalogs, all that kind of stuff before the internet. However, most people don't have that experience. And so now people are having to do that for themselves again. Like they've got to wade through and find, and, you know, and some, it's this weird task, you know, everything relates back to this weird thing Gurdjieff said about like, you have to create your own soul, you know? And like, that's, you know, down to that level of like, what bands am I going to like now? <laughs> you have to create your own soul on that level, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it's also another one of these step awakenings that I've been having. Like, you know, I mean, I knew that sort of the mainstream music scene was sort of, you know, controlled. I mean, you kind of had your, your artists sort of push down your throat and unless you wanted to step away from that and go, go elsewhere. But now I feel like I'm opening up to more and more of this, uh, esoteric Hollywood or occult Hollywood where now I can't look at Hollywood the same. And it's like, it's like everything just sort of starting to peel away. Like first it's music and then it's, you know, whatever the intelligence community and the government. And now it's even Hollywood. And it's like, everything is seeming fake. I guess it seems to be like what Gordon was saying earlier about, you know, the Bill Nye, the metaphor. I feel, I feel like everything I look at now, and that's why these conversations are important to me. Cause it, even if it's just even Joe Rogan and, and Milo, it just seems more honest and these seem more honest and there's not a big agenda. It's just people, you know, shooting the shit about fairly important stuff. Yeah. Um, Hollywood's a very good example of that. Um, as you go on that awakening journey, everything tastes synthetic and you look at it and go, I'm, I'm allergic to this now. I can't, I can't watch it. And the amount of sh TV shows over the last five years that I've abandoned uh, because I just can't, I can't sit through it anymore. It's just, it's synthetic. It, it leaves a taste in my mouth and it's, it's not good. There's nothing, it's debased. There's nothing in it. And you know that there are things that can be uh, uplifting rather than debasing. And, and you look at the Hollywood system and, and, and go, yes, not just intelligence communities, but um, uh, corporate interests and, and just this ongoing uh, attempt at effectively, you know, large scale mind control. And you go, I'm just, I'm not into it. It doesn't work on me anymore. So why am I watching this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love like, cause I live essentially in Hollywood and, you know, I can see the Hollywood sign from where I live. And it's, it, you know, one of the most amazing things about LA is everybody really owns the fakeness here, right? Like women will proudly tell you that they've had their boobs done, you know, other women, like you, you go to Beverly Hills and they have, you know, their plastic surgery that makes them look like a cat and they know, they know that it looks that way and they've chosen to do that. They're down with it. It's like a look, you know, people wear clothes that have tears in them, um, you know, that it costs them hundreds of dollars for a t-shirt. And it, the idea being like, when you live in the sort of like manipulative dream factory, you're actually in some ways immune to the, the garbage of it. You're just like, no, I got it. I got this. This is me. It's, it's, it's this phony thing. I know it's phony. I just like the aesthetic. And that's why like when I'm watching one of the 8 million Gordon Ramsay shows, I'm like, I love this because it's nothing, you know, 
you should at least be able to do that. You should at least be able to love it because it's like shit, you know, and that you need that sometimes. <laughs> like you have to love it because it's not really contributing anything to your life. It's the, the real problem is when you love it and it's and, and you're unaware of its phoniness and it's really like get, getting into, you, you know. Yeah, sometimes I find <laughs> I need that throwaway show, you know, sometimes it's just good to kill a couple hours on the couch and just watch that and you're not learning anything or focused on anything or worried about anything and you can just kind of blah. Escape. Yeah. Yeah. Bullshit. I wasn't referring to Gordon Ramsay um, as much as I was referring to uh, the Age of Ultron, basically normalizing normalizing a, a U.S. invasion of Ukraine. Uh, like that's that's set. That's you know they have their flying um, aircraft carrier thing, you know, essentially destroying but also saving this country that is clearly Ukraine. And you look at that and go, I can't, I'm not into this. Like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at. Uh, I know at, what you're yeah. doing, and I'm not, like, this doesn't work on me anymore. I'm allergic to it. Uh, and and that bit is is the waking up that's happening as, as you kind of look across. Um, like, I, I don't know if any of you, obviously, I'm in another country, so we don't get that much. Um, Rachel Maddow, for instance. But when you see bits of it on um, on YouTube or whatever, and you look at it and go, does anyone actually think this is reality anymore? <laughs> Does anyone think that that's a real thing? And that's a waking up moment, and and we're doing it. That's that's uh, a night and day difference to say not even five years ago, four years ago, and and in many respects, that's looking at this kind of collapse. Well, collapse is the wrong word. Um, Implosion. Mm, I'm looking for something that's sort of like white knuckled transition, um, but it's looking at it. <laughs> half full uh like you go this is what will happen whatever happens next they have lost forever and that's good you know that's actually quite a good thing that the only thing keeping hollywood afloat is these uh is kind of mining the depths of of 60s comics like that's basically it <laughs> once that ends you go this this needs to be repositioned because we have creative infrastructure to be doing things that could be better, but the, the whole world that these things are building towards uh, appears to be appears to have been put on notice. So there's an opportunity there somewhere. Yeah, have you guys seen the arrival, or just I think it's actually just arrival. Or is yeah. it the arrival? Yeah, yeah it was, uh, I tried yeah. to watch it a couple of times, but I haven't. Really? You didn't... Okay. Well, I, I won't. I, it's hard to not talk about the ending. So oh, don't um, worry about that. Darren won't won't get to it. I don't care. <laughs> Anybody wants to jump past this part, I'm about to spoil something. So, you know, I mean, the, this movie is a pretty miraculous movie. Now, you might think that it has all sorts of social political problems, all that sort of stuff. Yet, we have a rather complex, um, I, I can't imagine it was the most high-budget science fiction movie. Um, it was kind of lower end for something like that. Um, really complex storyline that really relates to um, language and time and all this kind of stuff. And I think that we are seeing, and, and, and interestingly enough, called The Arrival, right? <laughs> and, and interestingly enough, also results in a sort of world peace is what happens at, at the end of the movie. Um, there's, there's conflict, and then there's this idea of um, language, uh, a, cer a certain kind of language being transmitted into us so we can see the world in a completely different way and have a different relation to time and space. Like stuff. emojis? <laughs> yes, just like, exactly like an eggplant. 
Um, and so, <laughs> so the wait, what's the eggplant? Yeah, I was just gonna say we gotta. <laughs> That must be. Uh, I don't think they use the same apps, Connor. <laughs> oh, oh. So, <laughs> I like that they um, added the guy with the hand on his face. That's so yeah. So the spaceship in the arrival is just a giant eggplant emoji. But basically, you you have like this moment, um, right? Exactly what I think Gordon is talking about, where suddenly this bizarre thing came out and. It's so sealed so tightly with culture that it's about an arrival of a new kind of language that will reveal new ways of interacting with each other and extremely successful, out of the blue, bizarre movies. So that's what happens with movies and, and happens with art. It, they contain these weird sort of um, themes of, of what's happening culturally expressed you know, in a really interesting way. And I hope that that sort of heralds a new age of making movies and stuff. So in some ways I'm actually, I am really hopeful about what will happen. Well, and that's part of magic as well, right? That creates this intention and it creates this focus and this, uh, um, attention and maybe it creates some reality. I mean, you know, but then you've got the hunger games and all these other dystopian ones and alien invasion movies. So, you know, how bad are those ones to, to our culture? I guess it's um, Grant Morrison has that idea of the hypersigil, so which is a term he used because when he was writing The Invisibles in the nineties, the stuff that he put his main character through kept happening to him. Yeah, right. So um, you know, he ended up with collapsed lungs and in hospital and so on, and he kind of realized this is what was going on. Uh, blood poisoning nearly died, and he, so he's decided to say, well, actually. In subsequent issues, I'm going to make sure everything happens to him is good, and he gets lots of sex. And, uh, and and there is a interplay. Culture is a, a common surface between like us and the extra dimensional. So there's there is something performative in in magic and and all acts of creation such that they are different from each other, which is not much except in a few very specific circumstances. That means you are you are literally playing with fire. You are playing with Prometheus's fire when when you create things. Uh, and and as a result, there's an opportunity to kind of participate in. Although I will say about Arrival, uh, it is also one of those. Um, uh, it's also, it's almost Reaganite in its idea that there will be some kind of event that brings mankind together into um, a a neoliberal dominated peace, because that's exactly <laughs> what Reagan said, and you find that a lot with uh, you know. But underneath that. Uh, given the fact that nothing comes out of Hollywood that doesn't kind of push that <laughs> underneath it, you, you find some very interesting ideas that they can kind of sneak through. Uh, it's yeah, it's a more intelligent contact in that way. And, um, and as far as the sort of um, hyper sigil that goes back to our conversation about the internet and we're having before, I mean, it's really important to view these technologies and stuff that's sort of sigilizing for things. I mean, I don't think it's been successful, but in some ways I, I regarded for a long time the internet as a sigil for the Akashic record. Mm-hmm. We could create something so intensely preparatory and symbolic of being able to access all information um, <clears throat> all the time, everything that had ever happened. Um, but like with most sigils, you know, the, the, the trick is to not get trapped in the symbol, you know, and that's, that's what all these things are. I mean, that's what matter itself is. It's a, sim- a symbol that you can get trapped in. Um, I mean, it has its own 
reality too. I'm not just reducing it to that, but um, it, it can be something that you only see um, and you don't use to see. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, Gordon, I, I think it was one of your re- recent guests you were talking to. I think it was Kripal, Jeff Kripal, maybe about uh, comparative religions and, and morality and whether morality was an actual, how did you describe it, a construct in the universe? I found that really, really interesting and in whether it was good for, you know, good and evil or if it was just uh, one's perception. It's, um, yeah, so I think that happened. I, I mentioned that. Uh, it came up in a conversation with Alex on Skeptico. Oh, that's what it was, yeah, brought, right. yeah. And I also brought it up when Peter Lavender was last on, because uh, he's, um, well, well, Peter's Peter, so he's like, there is none. <laughs> there is, uh, <laughs> the, universe, the universe is a cold Lovecraftian place, probably. <laughs> and uh, I, the trouble, the question of, like, whether the universe has a morality or not is means is it fundamental like as a force in the universe like gravity or spin or or, or so on and uh that's a kind of difficult case to make given and it depends on how you conceptualize the universe i think of it as an evolving organism that exists for the experience of itself so it probably has one uh but it probably doesn't match mankind's one uh, that means that kind of, in a funny way, it, it adds additional responsibility. So there, there are two ways to think about morality in the universe. There's a kind of um, medieval Catholic one, which is there is an objective right and wrong, and if you move away from it, you will be punished because there is the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. The other option, if it doesn't exist as a category that we would recognize in the universe, it falls to us, and this is harder, it falls to us to actually have that morality. Otherwise, there is, if you picture it as a light, there's no other light that we can see as, as, far, as, as far as it goes. And perhaps we are the, like, uh, the moral sense organs or the nerves that are designed to experience how things, like, how things move towards the good rather than the bad or the evil um, within the universe. And it's... Uh, it's a really interesting kind of thing to roll around in your head rather than to try and work out what things to like, does it, is there a, does a molecule have a morality? Um, probably, but I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's human. I don't think, I don't think a molecule is vegetarian. <laughs> Maybe. It used to be, but now it's only eating grass fed beef. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, th- I think, you know, yeah, I listened to that as well, um, and I, I thought about it a bit, and I just, I, I thought about how, um, I mean, I, I would just take the stance that I do think love is a universal principle, and agree with Gordon <laughs> on the, <laughs> agree with Gordon with the, you know, that the idea that on, that when you scale up or down, the, the, the existence and reality of what that means is different different for a bacterium than it is for a stone than a plant than a person, you know, people have to eat plants. So what, so what love is for a plant has to be different than what love is for a person and what love is for angels and other beings has to be different than what it is for people. Um, but I do think it is a sort of binding, binding is not the right word. It's a, it's a, it's a generative thing. And so, um, but there's something also, in what Gordon said, that the universe is evolving. So, um, at some point, 
it's not going to be that anymore either. It's going to have its own, it's going to find its new and own principles. It's just that I find that to be the most useful place I can go. So right now, if I can, if I can think beyond love at some point, I'll do that. But right now I just get too pissed off at people on Twitter. I, you know, like, I <laughs> like I'm a dick, you know, as a people, I, I get cranky. And when something small happens in my life, I become an asshole. So I'm still striving for that. Once I get to that, um, I'll tell you what's on the other side of it, but I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but does, does, does love necessarily conflate with morality? Cause that was what Alex came back with. And I'm not, um, I, I think the, the whole thing probably runs on love um, based on, uh, you know, NDE experiences and, and mystic experiences across time and space and culture. I think that's, um, it's a love machine. I think that's a, that's a confident, it is. Well, it's not a love machine. It's a love organ. A love organism. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, see, I'm but I, don't know that, I don't know if that, um, I don't know yeah. if that necessarily maps to his morality. Because, you know, um, love is far from moral. Sure. Love organs certain... can be pretty immoral, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think that. I think that I would say that the way that, you know, it's a, it's a difficult way to, to put it. And it also sounds sort of scientific materialist in some weird way. But I would say that what is the sort of uh, the, the, the underlying principle is the morality um, and, and that we, we seek that we seek the existence of that morality. So we're really talking about God. You know, I mean, honestly, when we get into discussions like this. so. Um, it's it's more I would view it almost spatially or, or, or an object way to even understand it that that is the the content. There's not much outside of that, so that's what I would call the morality in the first place. Not um, so yeah. I mean that that's a weird answer, but um, mm. that's best I can do. <laughs> that's okay. I don't know. I feel like love and, and morality are, are tied together i think that morality could come directly out of it like if you don't have love then or if you if you are in love then isn't that moral automatically well you think of crimes of passion um think think of things we do when it manifests improperly or too strongly or when you have it unrequited so love is a force in the universe um but i that's what i mean by i don't it doesn't necessarily map to morality because of things done in the name of love um, but then it's not really quite there. Well, it's stalking. Uh, what if it's not reciprocal? Stalking's <laughs> 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 fine. <laughs> Gordon's outside my house. Yeah. Um, I, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> not saying anything about stalking. <laughs> um, well, sure. It doesn't, you can do all sorts of horrible things in the name of love, right? Um, it, it's this weird, it's the weird sort of back and forth. Um, it's not a paradox exactly, but this weird sort of back and forth. So when you talk to, an, um, I'm going to say it wrong, but I think it's Advaita Vedanta Buddhist, right? Or just like, it is what it is. Everything's perfect, right? And you're like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> things shit, things suck. Like, I got to take action now. And then they respond like, what are you comparing it to? And you're like, well, I have my ideas of how things could be better, right? But your ideas are part of that whole construction as well. So they're in there as well. And so... It's like, it's this sort of back and forth between everything's perfect and I must act now. Um, and there's this sort of uh, a tension and a back and forth between those things. Um, I tend to err on the side of everything's perfect. However, and, and that is love. 
you know? And however, we can't achieve that state. Um, I mean, maybe some, some, the few bodhisattvas that have ever lived have achieved that state, but we can't really, for the most part, achieve that. So we strive for it as an ideal. And in that striving for it as an ideal, that's our morality, is the striving towards that. Yeah, I like that. There you go. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know we know we have to wrap it up here pretty soon. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about about the current uh, current events, you know, occultism or anything like that? Well, I was wondering, I'd ask Gordon on Twitter if Trump was a chaos magician. You know, he's always doing those crazy hand signals and shit. I feel like he's casting <laughs> spells on people. Yeah. Controlling I, um, or manipulating the universe. I I didn't see him at the last meeting, so I'm pretty sure he <laughs> isn't. Uh, sure um, this particular period of time is awash with that kind of stuff. He does practice magic. I mean, I've had uh, Mitch Horowitz on the show, and, and Trump is very much of the kind of American hermeticism, think and grow rich, um, sort of positive thinking kind of stuff. Like, he, that's his version of Christianity. He, he he actually does have a magical system, right? The law of attraction uh, and kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, not um, in, in that sort of world, in that kind of, um, yeah. So he does have a magic. Um, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's especially grimoiric, but um, it's what what you tend to see when, there are actual operant magicians in, well, where the evidence suggests that there are people who really know what they're doing. It doesn't tend to be the um, the public figures themselves. You, um, they do tend to be at a, at a lower level, and I think you see that. The evidence of that is um, the odd ritual components of something like 9-11. I don't think um, Dick Cheney is uh, is like a thelemite, um, and but you will find in that kind of spooky corners of, of, of the deep state that all the stuff that they were working on through the Cold War and so on that they allegedly stopped working on, they didn't. Um, <laughs> they found that there are ways that this could be provide probabilistic enhancements that they use in conjunction with their other nefarious schemes. But Trump himself, no, he's just... Um, He's acutely, uh, he's, billionaires are a kind of high-functioning, damaged people that you kind of have to be to become one. Um, and so he is, he is a form of magician, no question. He's unbelievably good at, uh, at, at, at falsing towards accuracy. Like he, he plays the media and Twitter like a, an absolute master, and he does kind of have a... A notion that if you kind of think it, it will manifest, and that's part of his spirituality. So he falls technically into the category of a magician, but not, I would say, a chaos magician. Hmm. He's like he's like an energon cube, right? It's like <laughs> you find someone, you find somebody that is like has this specific like vibration of magical energy, and you just fucking plug them in and let it power the system. You know, like he's being sucked dry. You ever see a picture of the president when they start? <laughs> When they end, yeah. like oh, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's four or eight years, like it looks like they stared into the dark fucking crystal. I mean, <laughs> it's just like so creepy. And there's that picture of Hillary, of course, after the campaign where she just like it looked like they just sucked her dry. And it is like these people end up, they have this magical power in some way. He definitely has it. I mean, if you look at the course of his life and they just fucking plug him in, you know, make sure he's like the he's he's like the double A battery, you know. And I think that's, um, <laughs> and he's of course doing his own, that doesn't mean he has no agency of his own. He's of course doing his own 
stuff as well. But I think, right, like as Gordon says, like the people, the people that really sort of know the shit that they're doing, um, mm, it's something, something a, a lot more, a lot more problematic than Donald Trump. Is there anything? What about uh, getting to more of the negative side of that, like the spirit cooking, pedophilia kind of stuff? Is there? Do you guys have you guys been following that or taking any? Any of that seriously? Um, I think after, obviously, because I just did eight years in Britain, um, the idea that I like there how isn't, you said that so you, like prison. <laughs> I just did. Eight, <laughs> eight, 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 I just did eight years down in Britain. Yeah, no, that's pretty rough. <laughs> you <see> my, <laughs> uh, yeah, my delicious British prison wine. Um, we, it's it's kind of, it's open and shut that there is. This sort of child tra- child trafficking and child sex at a super elite level in in the kind of Anglo American world. We saw that with the Franklin scandal. We saw that we see that repeatedly uh, in in Britain. Um, as to whether or not, I mean, the the the, the that poor little pizza place. Um, that stuff came straight out of red, other than the emails, right? <laughs> so um, yes, there is there is clearly something there. And I think when you're talking about uh, Abramovich and spirit cooking and and the people who are there, you have anti-chamber cultural spaces where if you if you are a normal person um and you go to that you go this is not great this is not my scene good luck to you i'm i'm off uh but if you if you kind of it's like getting anyone else into a club if you can sort of cope with that um there is there is the vip room and if what we saw glimpsed there and i don't think that story's done being told uh and and i think funnily enough about maybe half of what um, the establishment, because I was about to say Democrats, but I think the reason this stuff isn't out yet is because a lot of Republicans are caught up in it too, mm-hmm. and he needs his house to do whatever he is, whatever he needs to do. But this is the sort of Damocles that is hanging over their head, uh, and I, I, we haven't heard the rest of this. We haven't heard the rest of the story. It's why the co-intel has been so strong, uh, and yeah, so. Catherine Fitz puts it at slightly over 50% that we will actually get this information out this year. And uh, that will be a wild day. Not that when that happens, we should just podcast that listening. shit. We'll get together. We'll yeah, just, live broadcast <laughs> the fucking shit. <laughs> well, I, I, what I was going to say is when that happens, like be completely vigilant because as a sex worker, I know what, Phony cries of human trafficking are leveled against sex workers constantly, used to legislate our sexualities, used to legislate what we can do, the fact that people can't pay to have sex with someone or get paid to have sex. I mean, it is absolutely bonkers. And so much of the legislation focuses on this sort of like red herring of sex trafficking. And the same thing with the occult. It's like, how much was the occult demonized because of these ideas of these, you know, child sex pornography, McMartin preschool, someone floating in the air and shoving a butcher knife up someone, some kid's ass, like, even though there were no marks, you know, like all this crazy stuff, this hysteria that is used, you know, at once to mask um, what's actually going on um, to, you know, to, to make us all think that that's a joke, which in most of the popular culture cases, it was a joke. It was bullshit. Um, but to demonize the occult and sexuality at once. And that's what will happen when this comes out. It will be leveraged to root out everything, um, to, 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 
to legislate and control people's access to the occult and to control and legislate people's access to sex. So it's be care, be careful and vigilant. That happens. I have not even, I've not thought about it that way yet. That's kind of scary. It's a good thing you, you brought that, that up. No, I mean, really, it's just, I've, yeah, I've just been thinking the other way that it'll be good for it to. No, it'll be good to, to round up the kitty fiddlers and, and throw them in a pyre and burn them because I think, um, I think Washington will be quite, um, quite quiet. Like, <laughs> you, you honestly would be looking at up to half the house. Um, if if some of these numbers are correct, because it's it's been used for decades as um, as as control file material and and, and everything else, so um, it is it is the red button, uh, and it's gonna and it's very interesting when you kind of realize that uh, um, uh, be- before Milo got booted, um, I remember late last year or something, he was going to give a talk about PizzaGate, and he got up and said, "You can find the video on YouTube," and he said. Um, I've just got a call from the White House, um, and obviously that is his former employer, Bannon. Who else would it be? And um, he said, "Not yet." You know, that's interesting. Wow, so that's one of those pieces that you go, "Hmm, uh, this is the sort of Damocles." And if you if you if you take that idea and you start to look at the irrational behavior of people, like um, well, on on both sides, so Republican Democrat. Uh, and like really insane stuff, like what McCain's doing and so on, They're, and, and going after sessions and all this kind of stuff. You can't help but wonder how much of that is is trying to front run or prevent the eventual drop of the Damocletian sword. And um, it's it's gonna if that happens, that you, like we're talking about how people won't move their mindsets, and, and you know they're getting the kind of ice cream headache of. Um, I thought being a Democrat was edgy and 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 nice and and so on. You wait till you wait till this sweeps up people on both sides and 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 you you know I, for people who are out there listening, kind of psychologically prepare you for the possibility that people that um, you may have even marched for are uh, not what they seem. Yeah. So so Connor, do you think that that some of these like you hear about the fifteen hundred arrests so far in sex trafficking, and I think what you're trying to say is it's not necessarily all set, um, centered around pedophilia. It's it's also they can expand that to combine things that we would not as as normal <clears throat> normal uh, normal people think is should be. Right should be uh clamped down on right like whether it's prostitution or porn or whatever some, some sort of you know anything but right. pedophilia really clip on yeah, and, are outlawed <laughs> right and and let's let's also this isn't just to make a distinction in some cases this is pedophilia but really what's happening is child molestation and child abuse right Pedof- pedophiles are people who are singularly as their main sexual attraction attracted to children and they don't have really any choice in some sort of way. They're, they, of course, they commit child molestation and all that sort of stuff. But there's something different going on. They're pretty rare. These are people who are, what we're talking about are people who ritually abuse children um, for specific reasons. Whether it's just fraternity or whether it's to create magic effects. Um, what, maybe those two things are the same. That sort of stuff. So, um, so first that, so first, even this line, I'm pointing it out just to say, what's that going to do to people who are sex offenders already? 
who are struggling with their sexuality or who have been punished for being a 19-year-old who had sex with a 16-year-old girlfriend. So the, the language around um, sex offenders is going to like go crazy. Um, the language around people who are sex workers who, uh, who are accused of being trafficked victims when, in fact, they decided, no, yeah, I wanted yeah. to be yeah. an escort. That's going to go crazy. Porn. Um, oh, like, you didn't have the paperwork for this one person that was in this one scene you did 10 years ago? Yeah, We're going to yeah. shut you down because that person must have been trafficked, yeah. right? All this kind of stuff is going to go through the roof. And the same thing for the occult, the same thing for the occult, because these people are doing stuff in the name when you look at that fucking story for the secret police force in California under Kamala Harris, that was this story was like huge. It should have been a huge story. They said they were thousands of years old. Nobody gave a shit. It came out for like two seconds. When this stuff starts getting unearthed and a lot of people are implicated, um, you're going to have uh, the people in power, as always, trying to seize it to control us instead of fucking cleaning up their shit. Yeah. So just... Be careful. Well said. Good way to end it. <laughs> you guys are both. Be careful. That's right. You guys are both on They're Twitter. They're coming to right? take your wands. <laughs> yep, we're both really off Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> we will definitely put both of those in the show notes. Nice one. Welcome back to Australia, Gordon. Thank you very much. Thank you for uh, having me back on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's always fun Great. talking to you guys. Connor, uh, thanks for coming back on. Thanks for suggesting this. It's been a slice. And have fun uh, Have fun at your party tonight or whatever you're getting up to. What do you... I assume party. party. I don't know. Screaming I just, at the clouds, yelling yeah, at I just the picture you as having up, like a fun life. Uh, Partying all the time, <laughs> going out. Life out. The outside, if I weren't an international sex symbol, it would be the most boring life in the world. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> right on, guys. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Brilliant. That's great. Thanks. Um, when do you reckon this one's going to be out? Two weeks. Two weeks, cool. Yeah, two weeks right. Friday. Yeah. I, um, that's a day I don't have to do a blog post. Well, <laughs> perfect. You have a long weekend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, awesome. guys. Thanks again for right, coming thanks on. Very much. Thanks, See guys. Ya. Okay, Bye. take care. And that was our chat with Connor and Gordon, uh, longtime friends of the show. Fun to have them on at the same time. That was awesome. That yeah, was great. Well, I fucking, like, on Twitter, I was like, because Connor suggested it. He didn't say that they were buddies or whatever. And I was like, so I, made the Twitter message group. And I was like, hey guys, you know, this is Connor, this is Gordon. And then the, <laughs> they spent like the next two days just fucking with me. <laughs> so and all funny. you had to do is go back and listen to one of uh, Rune Soup's podcasts. Yeah. That's pretty funny. I got no time for any more podcasts. I'm trying to I squeeze know. in Bill Burr. It's so hard, I know. I'm trying to squeeze in this Bill Burr show. Everyone says it's good. Nah, it's, I tried it. No? I'm not digging it. No? No. I'll give it away. But that's the same thing. I don't, have, I, don't have, for that. I don't have the time either. It's crazy. Oh, it's tough. This week I'm catching up on my back catalog a bit because we listened to that No Agenda the day it came out. But I mean, it can be tough sometimes. Yeah. So we appreciate you motherfuckers that stick with our. With oh, us totally. Cause... 
Like that you can really easily go elsewhere. Me, that really makes me appreciate that. Yeah, and if you do appreciate these long, uninterrupted chats about whatever we like, check out grammarica.ca slash support. And there's going to be a ton of notes on this one, I can tell already, like as I was going through it. So there'll be lots of links. Everything we chatted to those guys about will be in the show notes. and yeah, a little Check all that shit out. Sign up for the net newsletter. Of course, if you guys don't remember from a couple of shows ago, that bonus episode uh, from the cabin in the woods is only available via newsletter subscription. As soon as you sign up for the newsletter, Justin will email you the link instantly. That's so, seriously not a show. It was a bit of a shit show. We don't want to put it out to everybody. It's a like, bonus seriously, shit show. it's not for new listeners. I might cut some of that. <laughs> I, I might actually edit part of it. That, that was when edited. I started getting pretty frustrated with a bunch of baked, baked guys <laughs> trying to podcast. I was like, you guys are laughing at me at one point. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we turned on you. You're like, I should have just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> All right, guys. Check out support. GrabRecord.ca slash support. Uh, sign up for a monthly if you can. Do a one-time donation if you can. Uh, GrabRecord.ca slash swag for all your stuff. Sign up for the newsletter, Spamgram. Tell your friends about the show. I think that's about it. Thanks for listening, guys, and we will see you next week. She says, wake up, it's she not you. I'll keep stealing, breathing it in. Birds are leaving over
Don't say ham, you say spam. Spam, spam, spam.